the Marvel Cinematic Universe. The biggest pop culture movement since the Beatles, $22.5 billion at the box office, and we found the one guy who doesn't have a clue what we're talking about. With two fellow MCU nerds to help guide his hand along the way, one thing is for certain, we're with him until the end of the line. Welcome to Colin Brain versus the MCU. On your left. Hello and welcome once again to your favourite podcast designed for your ear holes. Yes, this week we are hopping all over the galaxy really as we visit Asgard for a lovely evening at the theatre, pop back down to Earth briefly to have a pint with Doctor Strange, all before heading off to Sakaar to watch some gladiators lay the smackdown on each other before ending the night at one of the Grand Masters orgies. Don't touch anything. But before we get down and dirty, please allow me to introduce my fellow co-hosts. Firstly, if myself and this fellow host found themselves on a planet similar to Sakaar, but instead of combat, it was trivia, he would have been dead episodes ago. Who is it? It's not me. It's Robert Trot. Rob, how are you? Not me you're talking about, <laughs> sunshine. You can shove that up uh, your devil's anus. I know. Well, to be honest, as soon as I said that, I was like, I regret this already, writing this, because before Colin joined in on today's call, I was like, Rob, I think my trivia is not very good. And if you could, <laughs> if you've got it already, could you please not say it? Um, and then I mock him afterwards. Yeah. Please don't do that again. Robert Trot. Rob, how are you? I am on ruddy death's door. Not literally. <laughs> oh. You can probably hear by the sexy mucusy tom oh, i love it i love it my voice um i've got a, a bit of a fluey situation going on in old trotville and huh. um yeah it's i'll be honest with you i'm gonna level with you guys please okay i don't know what's gonna happen in this this like <laughs> episode we've got your back mate we've got your back i got halfway through making the notes and for reasons i'll get into later i didn't really finish so like taika watiti said in an MTV News interview, I would say we improvised probably 80% of the film or ad-libbed and threw stuff in. That's going to be me. Okay. I'm just going to go go with the flow, like old Tyker. I, I like it. it. Yeah, Perfect. I love it. Um, and speaking of accents, I'm going to give it a go as well. Oof. So last but now, yes, last but not least, like I said, I am going uh, to do a bit of an accent for this next introduction. Uh Wow. That's going to be considered racist, isn't it? <laughs> um, <laughs> our host is not scared of a single thing in the entire world, unless, of course, you show him a pair of scissors, as he might not want to get too close to avoid any potential beard-cutting issues. It's Colin Brain. Colin, how are you? Um, I'm all right, man. <laughs> I'm good. I, I, th- I think that, that reaction is, yeah. Um, I'm doing well. Good. Um, Unrelated, and, do we have a listenership yes. in New Zealand? Not anymore. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, and I'm kind of on the same boat uh, as Rob this week. I've got tonsillitis, um, but I'm two days into antibiotics, so I'm nowhere near as uh, bad as I was the last two days. So just throwing some more painkillers down my throat as well. I've got a, uh, a pint of water next to me. So hopefully by the end of this, um, me and Rob are still wearing and ready to go uh before we move on i hate that this is a segment but i say this every week <laughs> oh, i haven't um, even rob, seen it it hasn't come up on one yet i've seen it okay. rob would you <laughs> please care to inform our lovely listeners of your zoom name this week yep um so this week 
I had a, I had a few things in mind, but last minute I wrote down one, right, which was going to be Odin related, and it was going to be Odin back the years, <laughs> but <laughs> in in text it didn't really work. And right. you could argue this one doesn't either. I so, was about to say, this one isn't really ringing out to me either. So this one, inspired by the musical uh, theme, I've gone for Hella, 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 Hua. Oh, Greece. Tell me okay, more. I get yeah. it. Yeah. Well done. Colin, add, like add some laughter, please. I mean, at least it isn't. Laughter track. At least it isn't related to any sort of genitals or anything i mean you, you, yeah you know yeah. you're Taking moving on from that i like it mate like <laughs> it's it. gone it's gone pg rated this week people mm. can't guess me <laughs> yeah i think that's it yeah you, you're just throwing a curveball in there you'll be <laughs> back to cox next week <laughs> <laughs> uh so now colin yes you always like to give the indication that you're not overly into these movies um and you know you've said not- in the past if it's not an indication. It's just me, well, being, it's me being honest. Well, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Okay. Because we, you've also kind of, well, I was about to say hinted, you've also said that if we were to ever stop the podcast, you wouldn't watch any more of these movies. Mm. I'm putting it out there this week, Colin. I think it's all a bit of a front. It definitely um, isn't. I can assure you that it's not a front. Because <laughs> recently, we, uh, for the listeners, uh, we all got together to yeah, watch did, yeah. uh, Ragnarok. And it's always a pleasure watching a film, uh, one of these with you boys. Mm. Now, before we popped on the film, we played a board game called Marvel Splendor. For anyone that doesn't know, it's a very decent game, very easy to teach, loads of replayability. This isn't an ad. And it literally involves hundreds and hundreds of cards. You know, on each card is a Marvel character. And every now and then, the game would involve one of us flipping the card over to reveal another character. Mm-hmm. And I'll admit, I was very, very happy with how involved you were with the game. Like, with every character reveal, with every card that flipped over, you were like, oh, who's that? What do they do? Yeah. My my, my personal favourite was, that's some interesting tech they have. Mm-hmm. Is it a possibility that you are maybe into the MCU and Marvel a little bit more than what you would lead us to believe? No, not at all. I think... Okay, I think there's a difference between getting involved with a board game and, and hanging out with your mates and enjoying yourself and then there's also and then there's watching a movie version of the same thing. Jesus. I think I'd probably like Yeah, no, that you you literally you're barking up the wrong tree with this with this theory of yours, mate. And also you need to get away from the fact of we'll see every time I say that I'm not into it, like you suddenly think that one of these films is gonna convert me into something. I, I... We're, we're a fair amount into it um mm. i've still i mean i deserve a medal for my optimism but you do I still remain optimistic we live in the uk we've got to stay optimistic yeah what we need we some got? form of hope <laughs> is that the hope i hope <laughs> oh god Please, then I don't give me hope oh yeah i wouldn't i wouldn't bank your hope on me becoming an mcu fan anytime soon I've got nothing left. <laughs> um, hey, we've got each um, other. We've got each other throughout all of this. Okay. Yeah. George, do you want to mention who won that game of Marvel Splendor as well? Oh, that was a close one, though. Let's be it real. It came that down was a, to fun game. the wire. Fun game. Good. But Rob won Marvel Splendor. I yes. bested George's game. Yes, mm. you sure did. You sure did. That was uh, like the second time I'd ever played it, but well done. Yeah, one, Until one next time. Next those, time, baby. 
one more of those Avengers symbols, and I would have come mm-hmm. from behind to beat both of you. It's a fun game, yeah. the way that works. Yeah, no, that was a good it, one. It, it's, a, it's always a slow start, and then suddenly it's like, oh, it's about to end, and it's a scramble for the last uh, last few points. I think we should, um, next time you guys are over, I think maybe we should we should film a version of it to, to give out to our listeners or do some sort of Twitch stream or something like that, because I reckon yeah, that would sure. be a good laugh. So, uh, Rob, slight spoilers for later on in this episode, I guess, but I guess I'll ask you now. A, does Ragnarok have a director's commentary? And B, did you listen to it? <laughs> oh, that's a good sign. Yeah, he did. Oh, it's a bit out of tune, this trumpet. Hang on. <laughs> <clears throat> Some would say that's a, a rusty trombone. Oh. <laughs> we've, just, we've just heard about Colin coming from behind as well. Just, just, yeah, exactly. Just stick to the rusty grinds, mate. That's all you... That's oh, all it's because you... Rob's gone PG this week. I have to yeah. make up for it. <laughs> Got to pull it out. All right, hang on. Not too early. We'll get the trumpet going. <laughs> audio commentary facts. So oh. <laughs> there was an audio commentary. It was done by Taika Waititi by himself, and um, mm. it starts off. And it's showing the Marvel logo, and he's sort of singing along, and it's, he's <laughs> opening in you know typically sort of whimsical fashion. He's like uh, going, "Oh, there's some scripts. There's an English person." Um, when Benedict Cumberbatch comes up and he's, you know, saying what he sees. It's very, very charming. After about 10 minutes, I found myself feeling like I was stuck in a screen, screening room with Taika Waititi and he wouldn't <laughs> shut the fuck up. Um, <laughs> right, so we <laughs> we get to um, a a certain part where he talks about the motion capture for one of the characters early on. Mm. And he says, oh, I actually, fun fact, I actually did the... Oh, well, I'll stop the accent. Um, fun fact, I actually did the motion capture for Serta, and then a minute later, it shows Chris Hemsworth goes, oh, I did the motion capture for him too. I was just like, how oh, fucking long is this part of this commentary going to be? <laughs> because it was very light on facts and very oh. heavy on those kind of... Okay. Just sort of like... I, I get it, but some people Did don't... you get through it? Uh, no. Oh, that's Hence why I sort of <laughs> oh, said okay. I got halfway through Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. There, there will be some more audio commentary facts. Okay. But I found it a hard listen because maybe it's just because I'm not feeling too well. Maybe, but I wasn't maybe, yeah. in the mood for sort of. I wanted some interesting tidbits, not. You wanted something, yeah, to try and squash George's trivia throughout the episode. Yeah. Hear, I mean, hear another please from him. <laughs> so that's what we all really want. Another, yeah, another meltdown. <laughs> Good. I'm, I'm glad we still talk about that. Um, so. <laughs> Uh, before oh, we mate, jump I've listened in, listen to that moment more than ever. Oh. oh shit, that was good. So before we jump into the seventeenth, yes, seventeenth MCU oh. movie, let's all briefly annoy Colin John Brain. Shall we're not we? doing a quiz. No quiz, good. but Colin, I know the seventeenth film isn't exactly a milestone, but it is being treated as such today. Okay. Now I want to see, and it doesn't have to be in order. How many of the seventeen films can you name? Oh, all right. I'll try and do it in order, but I'll probably oh. fuck up halfway through. Iron Man, mm-hmm. The Incredible Hulk, uh-huh. Iron Man 2. Oh. That's right, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Um, did we go Thor next or Captain America? We went Thor next and then Captain okay, America. Okay, Thor, so that's Captain five. America. So I've done not bad top first five. Um, did we do Iron Man 3 after that? No. no. Okay. Something rounds up, something ends phase one. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. Avengers. Uh, was that one okay. called Avengers Assemble or was that the American? Depends. Version? We okay. were Avengers Assembled over here and everywhere else. 
was yep. the Avengers. For some reason, I'm still thinking Iron Man 3 was pretty close. Was that the next one? Yes, it okay. was the next one. Then either Thor The Dark World. Am I right there? Yes. Yep. Um, wasn't The Winter Soldier next, was it? It sure was. Oh, fuck, okay. What number are we on now? Nine. So then that would that be Avengers... Age there of was Ultron one next. more before oh. Age of uh, Ultron. Fuck. Okay, I'm I'm hitting a wall of the of the order, but I can definitely real. Oh, was it Guardians? It was. It okay, was. Guardians. Then uh, then Avengers. Ultron. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, what's after Ultron? Yeah, where? No, not Civil War yet, because there was a bit in between. Now, if I remember, there mm. was a bit of a discussion because Ultron doesn't finish Phase 2. Oh, Ant-Man. There we go. Ant-Man. So that's the end of Phase 2. Then Phase 3 yep. kicks off with... Um, let's have a think. <laughs> uh, so Iron Man, we've done the trilogy of those. Thor, we've had uh, two and we just did the third. Captain America Civil War wasn't the one after... Was it Civil yes, War? It was. Did that open it's up Phase Civil War three? opened God, Phase three. That seems interesting. That's a big fucking opener for a phase. Damn. Mm. So then it was Civil War. I'm trying to think, because we've thrown some bonus episodes in there, so it's kind of throwing me off a bit of the uh, order. Mm. So after Civil War, because we watched that one together, then we went Doctor Strange. Yes. Okay. Yep. Um, damn, my memory's better than... It just This is proving how, actually, I really don't care about the MCU, because my memory's not that bad. I just, like... The movies disappear, the actual plot lines disappear. But um, okay, so Doctor Strange, then Guardians 2. Yep. Then Homecoming. Yep. And then Ragnarok. And then Ragnarok. Hey, come on. In order, baby. Hey, hey, hey. Come on now. You win a copy of The Object of My Affection, (laughs) starring Paul Rudd. (laughs) Well, see, that, that. just makes me still think that something's going on in the old brain of yours. No, I mean, yeah, it's called it's, it's called autism, and uh, I'm just good with, <laughs> I'm just good with lists. That's all it is. <laughs> okay, good, fantastic. Um, and one last thing before we jump into Ragnarok, it was something I was thinking about the other day. Is that I'm now, like I said, I'm optimistic that we're gonna uh, get Colin to enjoy the MCU at one point. But now the optimism for us. Um, having him shed some tears during an MCU movie, I think has completely subsided now. Uh, oh, really? Rob, I was fi- yeah, I think no, so. I don't know. Really? I mean, yeah. I, we've got definitely got a couple of things coming up soon that might do it. But You um, don't know, we'll like see. certain people. Yeah, man. You don't, you, like, you know. it could be something completely mm. unprepared that just gut punches him. Yep, yep. It might hit that hit that spot. That no one else, would ever, we could all just be sat there like, Something that only I can relate to, or you know, not everyone yeah. relates to. It might hit. Someone will drop I'm... a fat beat, and he'll go, yeah. "Oh God, oh, it's so goodness. good." <laughs> I miss Biggie. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, t- um, I'm trying to think though. I did, I did, I did cry at something recently. I should have told you guys about it. It was a TV show. Oh, it wasn't actually that recent. It, it was, uh, it was an Amazon Prime show called As We See It, uh, starring Rick. Rick Glassman, who's like a stand-up comedian and, and an American actor. And uh, yeah, that got me. It's about three people in there. Well, it's about three people who all suffer from autism and they all end up living together. I have together. seen the first few episodes. Oh, yeah, yeah. That got me. Some moments in that got me. That was really cool. Oh, good. Yeah. So, you know, I do have a heart. Just don't care about the okay. MCU. 
Oh, wow. Brilliant. Um, if you had a heart, you'd stop breaking mine like that. So, Rob, I was wondering if we were, you know, let's say we wanted in some sadistic way, wanted to make Colin cry watching a film, uh, and we all had a bit of a movie night around Colin's again, what film or films would you pop on to try and get those waterworks flowing? Mm. Oh, Short Term 12. Oof. Oh, that always gets me. This is me just listing things that I think will make me cry, so I don't know if it would do the same for Colin. It's a Wonderful Life always gets me. Wow, yeah. Which is, um, yeah, I would, I'd love to... If Colin's not seen It's a Wonderful Life, I'd like to watch it for him regardless of whether he cries. But Yeah, it's a beautiful film, yeah. Um, I'll tell you what else gets me more emotional than you guys might think mm-hmm. is some of the, uh, some of the moments in UFC. They get me. Like when Leon oh, Edwards, really? yeah, like Leon Edwards winning the belt last week or whenever it was, yeah, yeah, and like yeah. his his his, uh, his post fight octagon interview and just everything yeah. that guy's been through <clears throat> for his whole career, like that chokes oh. me up. Stuff like that chokes me up. Like big milestones okay. in people's lives and you know mm-hmm. overcoming like the underdog story and coming through because yeah. you see the emotion on those people, and because it's real life, you know, mm-hmm. it's real yeah. life. I, I, I'm like real life stuff gets me movies. Yeah. And TV shows don't really... You can kind of detach yourself. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's actually a detriment to the enjoyment of a lot of things is because I remain so detached from these films when I watch them. That's Mm -hmm. probably why I don't get into them as much as a lot of people do. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, I've got a little list of things here that have broken me in the past. but um, EastEnders? Absolutely not. Yes, it has. No, of course it hasn't. Um, but one things that usually get me, you've just reminded me, and it, it's, I don't think it's got anything to do with the list I've got here, mm. is acts of kindness. Yeah. Like people being kind to each other destroys me. Yeah. So that's yeah. why I can't watch the Paddington films because I'm, okay. I'm just a mess. So I've got a film here that's called About Time. Have you seen About Time? No, I don't. No, I haven't. Christ almighty. Oh, is it a tough one? It's, it? a, it's a beautiful film. Um written and directed by Richard Curtis, who did, like, your, your Notting Hill Four Weddings and a Funeral and mm. stuff like that. I think he even did Love Actually. But, uh, yeah, it was um, a film he'd done fairly recently, and it's uh, it's it's beautiful. Mm. Uh, a couple of Pixar movies, I don't know if you've seen them, like yeah. Up and Inside Out. Up. The two the um that that opening title, se- or not the title sequence, but, you mm. know, the um, mm. montage on Up, was that was Oof. that was good. I don't remember crying at it but it was definitely like an emotional I always cry at the bit where they find the book later on and realises that she'd filled it in thanks for the adventure now go have another one Um, (laughs) uh, Inside Out by Pixar as well never fails to absolutely ruin me and I think you might laugh at me for the next one but I've seen it three times now and the first time I went to see it I was like I am not going to like this film at all and not only did I watch it three times, but every single time I was reduced to a sobbing mess. It was A Star is Born, oh. the Bradley Cooper and Lady Gaga mm, Okay. Movie. All right. And I got a feeling you might like that film, Colin, because I, I quite like what it has to say about the music industry. Um, mm. It has quite a lot to say. Um, but then the ending is absolutely beautiful as well. Okay. Yeah, I think the more I think about it, it's definitely it's seeing sort of real-life stuff. Or, like, because I... I I don't just listen to podcasts. I actually like to watch podcasts because a lot of them mm-hmm. are on YouTube, and you know, you, you know, you can. Some of them are edited really well yep. and, and quite inspiring from a podcast point of view. But 
some episodes when someone on a podcast gets emotional, like mm-hmm. that will get me going. Like if I, if, if, you know, like, you know, if you started crying on this mm-hmm. or, or Rob, like even though I might not feel the same way about what you're crying about, it would probably get me going just because I'm, it's you know, seemed, it's like secondhand, yeah. whatever you want to call it. I won't worry about it. George will probably interrupt you when you're midway oh, through true, emotional yeah. moments. Oh, He'll wow. step all over it. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> Christ. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Um, oh. Right. Now all this is over. Uh, shall we jump into a brief background of Thor Ragnarok before hearing your, what you thought, before. Colin? Because, uh, hearing what you thought. Um, because, listeners, we did watch this film with Colin, but we are so dedicated to this. The second mm. it ended, not one of us, even though we were very tempted, was like, "What did you think of that?" Yeah, we no, just we, had to like. Yeah, we had a couple go, of sort of comments, but there's a we couple didn't, of little things, and then we didn't dig very deep at all. Went our separate ways. It's the best way to do it, really. Save it all for I, now. I agree. So for the uh, listeners, shall we, yes, all for you. So are we ready, boys? Yeah, I'm ready. Cool. Yep. So far, so good. Skip the compliments. Let's get on with it. Now, one thing Marvel really wanted to do with Ragnarok, but at the same time sort of keep it a secret from audiences, was what they in- internally described as like a soft reboot. So after some discussions with some of his writing team, Kevin Feige admitted to himself that, remember, 17 films in... Thor was most probably the least defined character of the MCU. So with the first Thor movie, he's like this Shakespearean, larger-than-life character. He's melodramatic, loud, bombastic. Um, In Avengers, he's not much more than a concerned brother, I guess. With Thor The Dark World, they tried to double down on the dramatics and the darkness, and um, the result wasn't exactly great. So it was decided that this version of Thor in his fifth appearance in the MCU, would be a very different Thor. So Chris Hemsworth had shown, you know, in the MCU so far, some brief touches of some really great comedic timing. Considering he's one of the most serious characters as well, he's actually been the cause of some of the biggest laughs, and so decided outside of the MCU, Chris Hemsworth was going to try some comedy. So despite the the varying qualities of the films he was in, I should say, such as like um, Vacation and the Ghostbusters reboot, it was almost unanimous that he was hilarious. And it was actually Hemsworth himself that said to Marvel, you know, it might be worth the risk of making Ragnarok a comedy. So Hemsworth said it might prove worthwhile to make Thor a lovable doofus instead of a humorless god. Now, Marvel, by this time, had actually announced that the title would be Ragnarok. Uh, they, they announced that title before they even hired a director, so fans just assumed that we were in for like another super serious uh, Thor movie, since Ragnarok does mean like the destruction of Asgard. So we braced ourselves for a really dark film. But little did we know that some of the directors that Marvel were meeting with all came from a comedy background. So um, one of the uh, couple of people they met with was um, Marshall Thurber, who had just done a comedy called We're the Millers. Uh, Rob Letterman, who'd just finished uh, Goosebumps uh, with Jack Black, I think. I think that was Goosebumps. Um, Ruben Fleischer, who was mostly known for Zombieland as well. Hmm. But then in walked Taika Waititi, uh, a comedian with a very specific style of comedy. One that 
on paper really shouldn't work in the MCU. Now, Marvel, you know, were taking a bit of a risk bringing in all these directors because it was a tough sell to these directors as well. Because if they were hired to take on and direct Ragnarok, Marvel had a list. And they said they wouldn't do this anymore. They had a list of 10 different things that they wanted to happen in the film that would then help set up later events and films. So here's what Kevin Feige had to say in regards to hiring Taika Waititi. He said, We shared with filmmakers these 10 different ideas that we had for the movie. Uh, it was almost like a blue sky thoughts. They would thoughts. go away. Thoughts. Thoughts. They would go away and come back and try and turn those 10 ideas into a movie. But what Taika did was a sizzle reel which we don't always encourage and oftentimes can be very, very terrible. He created a sizzle reel featuring clips from other films. But his version was amazing. It was all scored to Immigrant Song by Led Zeppelin. So right from the beginning, that song kind of defined what Taika was going to do with this. It's in the trailer, it's in the film, all from that first meeting. And from one of his first instincts of this movie, for that to be that is very impressive. You know, I'd like to, I'd love to know what this sizzle reel consisted of. The fact that Taika came in with clips from different films and Mm. said, this is what Ragnarok is going to look like if you hire me. Regardless of what was in it, it worked. Uh, So around the time that Taika was hired, um, Chris Hemsworth said, also to marvel that they needed to add something to the film add an 11th thing to that list poor taika it was mentioned by someone at marvel that hulk was an option since it was a you know it was a thor solo movie hulk could then technically appear in it because he's not allowed to appear in his own solo movies and there was that hanging question of where did hulk go in that quinjet And so Taika was not only the director, but he also asked if he could write the film based on this massive template that Marvel had set up for him. Taika's gone on record to say that he almost had to disregard the previous Thor movies when writing Ragnarok. He said, for me, this is my Thor 1. I've seen the other films and I respect them, but I can't spend too much time thinking about this as a threequel. Because then I'll get tied up too much in respecting what what came before and also respecting what's to come after. Thor Ragnarok has to, to me, feel like a standalone film because that's the only way I could do this. I just want to try and make my version of a Marvel film in the best way possible. So once Taika's script was completed and handed to Marvel and Kevin Feige, they instantly fell in love with it. However, there was one aspect of the script that Taika was told to drop, and that was actually a romance between Thor and Tessa Thompson's Valkyrie. Marvel said, in theory, and on paper, sure, the storyline makes sense. They're two very, very good-looking people who can kick ass and would probably be good together in the MCU. But it didn't serve the story. It made the story better if they had a mutual respect for each other. And the story was instead about how someone dealing with PTSD, who's drowning their sorrows in a bottle every night, comes to gain their confidence back and try and get revenge alongside Thor. All whilst in this colourful, hilarious Taika Waititi movie. Now, Rob's also mentioned this uh, earlier on, that um, Taika has claimed that about 80% of the dialogue in the film was improvised. The actors would say their lines from the script. They'd all get a couple of takes in 
all before Taika would then throw them lines from behind the camera. And typically, it would more than likely be those lines that he threw out to them were the lines that made the final cut of the film. I listened to a uh, about a two-hour-long interview with Taika Waititi the other night, all about the making of Thor Ragnarok. And he did gave, give a little bit of insight that really, really tickled me. So there's that scene in Ragnarok where Thor gives this little monologue about how him and Loki, when they were kids, Thor mentions he was out playing and he says, oh, I saw a snake and decided to play with the snake, but the snake was Loki because he knows I love snakes and then he transformed into Loki and ah, he stabbed me and all of that. That was one of the, the 10 variations that, Waiti, that Taika was shouting at them from behind the camera. My personal favourite of those 10 variations was I was out playing and I saw a Turkish rug. So I started walking on the Turkish rug because Loki knows how much I love Turkish rugs. And it just kept going on and on and on. <laughs> it still tickles uh, Taika to this day with how much he got away with. And actually recently said, my style of working is I'll often be behind the camera or right next to the camera, just yelling words at people. Say this, say this, say it this way. I don't care. I'll straight up give Anthony Hopkins a line reading. Mark Ruffalo would be finished shooting for the day and he'd come up to me and be like, how have you not been fired yet? You're doing the most insane stuff in this film. Where's the phone call? So Thor Ragnarok was released in November 2017 and it was a massive success. It took $854 million at the worldwide box office. That is a solo Thor movie that actually came close to taking a billion dollars, which is insane. Both critics and the fans really fell for it. Uh, it had been a little while since we've had a, a, a film universally loved uh, by both critics and the audience. The things mentioned most by the critics was the refreshing tone for the MCU, the look of the film, its colourful visual palette, the score by Mark Mothersberg, and lastly, Chris Hemsworth's wonderful performance. But in his very own words, critics and awards means nothing. So I guess it's time to see what our very own bearded superhero thought of the film. And so, it is time to ask the question. Colin John Brain, Thor Ragnarok's or Ragnar sucks? (laughs) (laughs) I enjoyed listening to that, actually, what you just said, because it a lot of my thoughts sort of rang true with what you were saying. I thought this was a really refreshing addition to the MCU. Taika Waititi's sense of humor is definitely more in line with mine. Um, mm-hmm. And it was a lot of fun to watch these guys do the improv. Um, yeah. And yeah, again, like every, like almost what you just said in that last little paragraph, it, you know, it looked great. It, it sounded like the um, the score was was quality. Mm-hmm. It was a lot to lot to enjoy in this one. I yeah. can't wait to hear more of your thoughts as we go on. I realise it's been a while since we've actually watched it. We were meant to uh, record this a yeah. couple of days after um, it. We watched it, but then I think maybe I was ill, and then something yeah. other bits and bobs happened. So, is this just going back on memory, or have you gone back and maybe watched little bits of it? Or <sighs> I think. I think I'm going to be a little bit with Rob in this one. There's going to be some <laughs> improvisation going on. Um, <laughs> now, a, a lot of it did. A lot of it did stick in, and and the problem is, is I I look. I'm not going to go back and rewatch it just because I haven't had the time. Mm-hmm. And also, it, I I 
I get a little bit worried if I'm going to start Googling things like recaps and yeah, like, you yeah, know, things yeah, like yeah. that. Cause, and there's actually a couple of things in the film that I did actually want to look into more, mm-hmm. but I was too scared to do it just because I don't want to like, you know, stumble across spoilers and cause, and also I don't want, I don't want that shit feeding into my algorithm cause then I'm going to no. be throwing my phone out the window every five minutes, <laughs> you know? Well, well, when we do the old deep dive, if you do have any questions, then me and Rob will try and yeah, help yeah, and yeah. hopefully not spoil anything. Yeah. Um, Rob, I'm sure you're like me and you've seen this a few times. Uh, how was the rewatch for you? Yeah, I have seen it quite a lot. I I went into it a bit apprehensive, Ooh, actually, uh-huh. watching it again. I thought I so it'd been quite a while since I'd seen it and I sort of I sort of had it in my head. I was like, do I like this one? Is this going to be one that I, you know, am I going to actually enjoy watching this one back? And i got to be honest, those apprehensions went out the window as soon as we were watching it. And I was like, no, this is, it's just been a very long time since I'd seen it. Yeah. So, yeah, I was actually enjoyed it a lot more than I thought I was going to enjoy it, which usually with these, I think the last film that I sort of went into it thinking I wasn't going to enjoy was Iron Man 2. Right, I actually enjoyed more, mm. but um, yeah, it was it was it was great to revisit it. To be honest, and I think, I think part of that was down to knowing that Colin would be experiencing it completely mm. free of trailers yeah. or yeah. and and reveals and all this sort of thing. So I was enjoying the idea of seeing it for the first time with someone who was completely fresh. Mm. Um, so that was lovely. I'm sure we'll get to those moments as oh, well. Yeah. We sure will. Um, this is right up there with me as one of my most rewatched Marvel movies. Um, you know, once I feel like you get over the slightly clumsy first 20 minutes, mm. uh, you really do get one of the most refreshing, funny, exciting, and quotable MCU movies. Maybe the most quotable MCU movie. And, you know, what a risk Taika Waititi was. And to hire him for a Thor movie, of all things, it baffles me that this exists and you know mm. some of the stuff in this film you know to think that it's like um, in a marvel movie so much like james gunn's guardians of the galaxy i do think it's a miracle this thing exists and you know we can sit here sometimes and bemoan disney or and or marvel uh, you know what they're doing to the film landscape and things like that but they do deserve some applause for helping or allowing taika to make this very strange funny film so Let's get into it. Shall we do a deep dive of the film's plot? Go on, then. Let's go, go on, then. Let's, Let's jump in. That's what heroes do. <laughs> so, two years after the Battle of Sokovia, Thor is imprisoned by the fire demon Surtur, who reveals that Thor's father Odin is no longer on Asgard. He explains that the realm will soon be destroyed during the prophesied Ragnarok. Once oh, Surtur... Could you hear that? Oh, here we go. Audio commentary facts. So, as I mentioned previously, Serta was um, motion captured by Taika Waititi. But do you know who did the voice for for, uh, Serta? It was a gentleman called Clancy Brown, if I remember. Yeah, most famously sort of known for the Highlander films and for being that piece of shit guard in Shawshank. Yes. (laughs) Always plays a piece of shit. Mm. great at playing a villain. Nice. But he actually, Taika Waititi picked him because Highlander was one of his favourite films growing up. <laughs> and he wanted him to be uh, the voice of Serta. 
It was one of my favourite films growing up as well. Very weird that I grew up watching a film that was all about heads being chopped off, but I absolutely loved Highlander. (laughs) He explains that the realm will soon be destroyed during the prophesied Ragnarok once Surtur unites his crown with the eternal flame that burns in Odin's vault. Thor frees himself, defeats Surtur and takes his crown, believing he has prevented Ragnarok. So... I'm cheating a little bit because I've already mentioned that the first 20 minutes of this film have issues. That wasn't entirely accurate because I actually really like this pre-title sequence. We get a glimpse at some of the humour that the film is going to be striving for. We get a decent action sequence, some nice scourger as well, and our first dose of Led Zeppelin. Uh, Colin, did you think that you were in safe hands during this opening sequence or were you still a little apprehensive and the jury was still out? No, I think I think I agree with you. This this first scene was like it was done so well in the fact that Serta started frying all of these mm-hmm. uh, very you know, over what, the top. Yeah, all this over the top dialogue, and then you just get hit with old uh, Chris Hemsworth, you know, <laughs> spinning around in the chains. And oh, hold on, I'll be back. Hang on. <laughs> and it was just like, oh, it was refreshing, man. Because I'm yeah. like, are we going straight back into this already? You know, just these mm-hmm. overblown dialogue scenes about how everything is gonna be destroyed and burned mm-hmm. down in the pits of the universe and all this and yeah it was uh it was fun this this was a good a good opener for me it reminds I think, me i of... think it probably got one of the bigger laughs actually for, yeah. for me throughout the film it was because because they went back to it like just enough time and they kept doing yeah, yeah, yeah. so <laughs> i remember hearing um i think it was an maybe from seth rogan's book or whether in an interview with him he said mm. what he loves doing in films and what loves watching in films is when something's funny, you keep repeating it in a scene until it becomes unfunny, but then and do then it a couple again. more times yeah, yeah. and it becomes <laughs> funny again. And he mentioned his scene, and have you seen This Is The End? Yes. There's a scene where I think someone, like a, a head gets chopped off or something yeah. like that, and they all start kicking a head, and they're mm. all getting scared and kicking it to each other. And the fact that it goes on and mm. on... And on, he says. He said it with test audiences every single time. You'd get the laughs. They'd keep kicking at each other. The laughs mm-hmm. would die down, and then you start hearing it all rising up again. <laughs> and it's it's very very clever. Rob, were you a fan of Taika Waititi going into Ragnarok? Yes, because I I love. I had seen what we do in the shadows before. Mm-hmm. I had seen um, Hunt for the Wilder People oh, as I love well. That. Yeah, yeah. Um, and was uh, and a big fan of how he mixes almost like sad characters, really, mm. with um, you know almost surreal humor at the same time as sort of having you know a really good understanding of action and tropes as well. For like what yep. we do in the shadows, some of the there's some imagery in that that is genuinely horrifying. Yeah, but he puts that into this sort of mockumentary mm-hmm. of absurd style um so yeah i was very aware i'd seen um eagle and it's eagle versus shark before yes. that it's got jermaine clement in yes I've, i think the only film of his i haven't seen is boy same yeah yeah i, I have been meaning to see that but, uh, one day for sure so continuing uh thor returns to asgard to find home oh, sorry george sorry i'll keep oh, doing this to you that's fine you, but, um, you keep the, going mate there's something that I feel we um, maybe glossed over a little quickly in that opening sequence because there was a ka-ching, 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 oh. a Marvel money shot. <laughs> uh, 
Thor flying across the wasteland in a very wide shot whilst uh, Mark Mothersbaugh's epic score is coming in and the dragon's mm-hmm. you know, quickly coming on its toe. Epic shot. It's ripped straight out of the 80s or yeah. Flash Gordon Could be an or album cover like for Meatloaf. Yeah, yeah. But it's uh, it's probably the first Marvel money shot we've had that isn't a a dude lifting something or breaking or showing a display yeah. of strength. <laughs> Which says a lot about us. Thor returns to Asgard to find Heimdall gone and his estranged brother Loki posing as Odin. After exposing Loki, Thor forces him to help him find their father. Forces. I knew it. And with directions from Stephen Strange at the Sanctum Sanctorum in New York City, they locate Odin in Norway. So, quite a few questions I've got for this section here. So, when Thor returns to Asgard to find that it's not the Asgard that he left, um, and Odin is sitting there watching a play, Colin, did you recognise any of the actors? Because I tried not to, but you didn't seem to react whilst watching it. So I thought, if I I'm thought just exactly going to let it go. Yeah. I, remember, <laughs> I definitely remember Matt Damon was one of them. Right. Okay. Um, I don't... I, I, that's the thing. I, I saw Matt Damon, and then I saw the other guy, and I was like, I don't know who that is. <laughs> so I didn't bother mentioning anything, because I just thought, well, if I don't know who all of them are, there's no point in me saying anything. Because yeah. I was thinking, well, if it's Matt Damon, then maybe it's Ben Affleck, and they've just done right. some crazy <laughs> makeup on him. Uh, but it clearly it clearly wasn't. Uh, but no, uh, Matt Damon, I noticed. But who were the other guys then? So we've got... Matt I gather Damon they is... threw some people in that should be recognisable to MCU well, fans, at least. maybe, yeah. So, um, so not really to MCU fans. So um, Matt Damon is obviously playing Loki. Mm-hmm. Playing Thor, correct me if I'm wrong, Rob, is Luke Hemsworth. Yeah. The least known Hemsworth brother. Bless him. Oh, right. Okay. He'd auditioned for Thor as well. Okay. um, I think one of his most sort of well-known roles is Westworld, at least series one. Oh, right. right, Mm. And the guy that was playing Odin in the play was Sam Neill from Hunt from the Wilder People and most known uh, from Jurassic Park. Okay. And the Omen 3. And the Omen 3, an event horizon. Oh, yes. What a film. Okay. Um, so let's let's go, let's go. start with another really big question here, Colin. How hmm. was Chris Hemsworth in Thor Ragnarok? Like as a whole, you mean? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, I think you might have said this in the, the sort of intro bit that you, when you were talking, but... It definitely felt by at this point in the MCU, Thor was probably the one or two remaining characters that hadn't really found his his true personality in the world yet. And I feel yeah. like he was definitely they needed to switch something up. Do you know what I mean? Like big time. I remember, and also it's been a while since we saw the the older Thor film, so it was almost a little bit. It's been a while since we've seen Thor. Exactly, exactly. Which I think actually helps because mm. they almost could you know, wipe the slate clean a bit more, switch it up. And there's so if a, he not... was in the previous film, for example, yeah, yeah. now he's and here, we saw it's the... like, yeah. what's happened? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It makes yeah. sense. Although I do, I do question the consistency going forward with Thor's character, but we'll probably get into that a bit later on as we crack through the film. But I thought Chris Hemsworth was great. I think... You know, allowing comedians to improvise and and 
and like do that back and forth. Mm-hmm. It must have been so much fun making this film for the yes. for the crew. I mean, that mm-hmm. must have just been. Oh man, I can only imagine how fun that would have been to be on set and just have these guys bouncing back and forth doing the improv. Yeah, but I thought it was cool. One thing I would say though, and it might just be because it's been so long since we've seen them, but Tom Hiddleston and Chris Hemsworth looked like they had aged dramatically in this one, <laughs> especially Loki. It looked like he had like inch thick makeup on his head when in that first scene when he pops to Asgard. So which we, was, by the time Ragnarok came out, we were approaching the tenth anniversary of um, MCU Studios and then releasing their first mm. film. So, you know, we're approaching a decade of these guys playing these characters. Oh, yeah, well, then that kind of makes sense. And one other thing I would say, which I think helped Chris Hemsworth and mainly Thor's character in this one was the fact that it just wasn't another film of Thor on Earth, mm-hmm. you know? Like, it, it wasn't slapping down on Earth in some... I mean, the first one was in that horribly plastic-looking town like town in America <laughs> yeah. or whatever. Yeah. And then the second one was in like, London towards the end, I think, from memory... Yeah. But I think having him I, I think that, that wasn't working for me in those ones. The whole mm-hmm. this is a god in a more civilized kind of world. That really yeah. didn't work. And I think with this one, them going, Well, forget Earth, like yeah. we're gonna bounce in between these other weird and wonderful universes so, where actually Thor comes across more human than anyone else, mm-hmm. which I thought was a really him, good way of doing strip it. Strip him yeah. of his powers and what usually makes him strong and throw him into a location that he's not used to. He's still oh. a fish out of water, but not yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know, on Earth, which I think works in its benefit. And Much I think like I... Iron Man 3. <laughs> Come on. What's can, up, you not, can you not see the similarities? I was, Sorry, I... something happened with my headphones. No, it didn't. I, I set I that up. Because the, they, I feel in Ragnarok, they do the same as what they did in Iron Man 3. As in, I, they... I don't remember seeing any um, firework displays at the end of this one with a big old kiss. There are on. firework displays there at the end of this one. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, you know, if a film's good, then film's uh, good. And, uh, also, just saying, um, mm-hmm. it also does the same as the first Thor film in that he's stripped of his powers. Mm. He is. And he's a fish out of water, again. but he's just, he's on a different planet this time. Well, mm. it, yeah, but that, that just goes to show that the the fundamental story and plot points can always be the same, but it's not that that doesn't make a movie good or bad. It's what mm-hmm. you do with those things. Yeah. And I think, I think whereas you, there probably is, I mean, let's be real. A lot of these films probably have a lot of parallels in the way that the the characters develop and things happen. Mm-hmm. But you know, when you get different people involved, different actors, different directors, even different editors, I'm sure would make a difference. Yeah. yeah. And uh, this is mate, Iron Man three. Is not even close to what this film was, and I'll, I won't. I won't hear any more. <laughs> Sorry, Dad. Um, so, uh, same to you, Rob. Like I said, it was Hemsworth. I. It was his idea to turn Thor into, in his words, the lovable doofus. Um, does he bite off more than he can chew, or does he have like the comedic prowess to pull it off? I think any comedic performance relies on. What was the? I heard an analogy for it earlier, where it's like a helium balloon, right? So, without the weight tethered to it, mm. the seriousness being the weight, a helium balloon just keeps floating and floating and floating until it pops. Mm. But if you've got that weight on it, it's going to float around, and you'll see something special. Hell yeah! Mm. And I think that's what he manages to do here, because there are scenes where he's mourning, he's going through some shit mm. and also having serious conversations 
that feel very much like the Thor from the previous films. But then there's moments where he's allowed to sort of... I think the way I looked at it when I first saw this was this is a Thor that has been on around humans and on Earth since the first Thor film. Mm. And there's sort of that blend of his Asgardian upbringing and that has sort of made yep. Ragnarok Thor a bit more relaxed and a bit more silly. You boys are on fire tonight. So let's briefly talk the Doctor Strange sequence. Uh, Colin, were you happy to see Doctor Strange again, albeit briefly? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm still not necessarily on board with mm-hmm. with Cumberbatch and Doctor Strange as a whole. But I mean, I don't want to say it, but like <laughs> this amount of Strange in a film is fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know because obviously, if if they had gone down a route where he was a much bigger character, I'd, I'd have yeah. other things to say, but. It was nice to see him pop up. I I was expecting him to stick around and... Yes, I remember you saying that about half an hour in. You were like, is is there no more strange? Well, I just think... I don't know. Maybe there have been examples of this already, but I feel normally in these films, like if a character like that pops up so soon in a film... I don't know. Maybe I was wrong yeah. to think it, but I would just assume that he'd be no, he, yeah, he'd he's... be there as as like a you know either either he'd be in it a lot or you'd see him a handful more times mm-hmm. you know get yeah. helping out or whatever. Um, but yeah, I mean you know it's cool to see him pop up. I guess I'm not really that bothered about that kind of stuff because I have no attachments to any of these guys. I'm sure if you're like a comic book nerd and or a fan or whatever, and you see him Thor and Doctor get... Strange. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I get that. I get that. I get that. Yeah. Uh, Rob, does the sequence work? Or in my head, am I giving it too much of a hard time? Because I'm not the biggest fan of that sequence. <laughs> Audio commentary facts. The Sanctum scene was shot nine months before production started while Benny Cum was still filming uh, Doctor Strange in London. Makes sense. So this was filmed well before the Thor, Thor had started filming. And I kind of feel like it's tykers you know fill in the the room kind of mm. thing trying to maybe be into marvel look i actually can direct one of these and then when he actually got mm. to set for ragnarok was then like let yeah. off the leash a little bit that let it sense. loose yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah what i do like about it is the in-camera jump cuts with him sort of being teleported all around uh-huh. the, the sanctum i like all that stuff and i, I kind of like that it's a small cameo because it's i think this mm. is about the time you start seeing a lot more of these these kind of, like, mentions. A bit like in Ant-Man as well, where you see Falcon for a moment. Mm-hmm. He's not a big That's focus, a good example of it, actually, yeah, yeah. I think there was a big question during certain earlier films, like Thor The Dark World, were like, okay, where's the rest of the Avengers? Mm-hmm. They're all on Earth. They just let all this go down in Greenwich or something. Mm-hmm. And it's, I think it's nice to sort of show these moments that, you know, these characters are all still go- going on and still continuing, even when the plot has to go elsewhere. Um, so it was nice to touch base with him, I think. And plus they'd done that sort of post-credit sequence, didn't they? So it was kind of like... Yeah, this is going to be very difficult to talk about. I ha- It's only just a- occurred to me that I think maybe this Doctor Strange sequence was one of the things on Marvel's list that they gave to Taika. <laughs> There's something else I like about this whole sequence. Like, So when they go back to Asgard... There's this moment where I fall, oik, 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 oik. <laughs> it's a happy Anthony Hopkins. So many jingles. It's the last time you'll hear it, okay? <laughs> because it's the last time that he gets to be hammy. Yeah, that's true. 
motherfucker's dead. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I, I love Anthony Hopkins in this sequence mm-hmm. because he got to not only, I mean, he's already pretty hammy and loves sort of, you know, chewing scenery, but he got to be someone, you know, play Loki who's reveling in the mischief and yeah. the, the mm. narcissism of watching this whole play. When he's just sitting there chewing back great His or, facial expressions whilst he's miming mm, along to when all he the sees Thor he's like, Oh shit. <laughs> oh shit. That's that's his best thing in the film, yeah. Um, I think it's so Amazing. good that we get to see Anthony Hopkins, you know, have some fun before, you know, he gets to ha- be all serious again. Oh um <laughs> Yes, um he's nothing short <laughs> as as wonderful in this as well. And as good as Hopkins has been as Odin throughout the MCU, it does kind of remind me that it's a shame we didn't get to see his silly side throughout um, his time in the MCU. So speaking of Odin, before we jump onto that, I will say that one thing in the Sanctum scene I absolutely love is when Doctor Strange brings Loki back and he falls from the ceiling and he says that wonderful line, I have been falling for 30 (laughs) minutes. Brilliant. (laughs) Love that. So Odin explains that he is dying. Ragnarok is imminent despite Thor's efforts to prevent it and his passing will free his firstborn child, Hela, from a prison she was sealed in long ago. Hela was the leader of Asgard's armies conquering the Nine Realms with Odin, but he imprisoned her and wrote her out of history after fearing she had become too ambitious and powerful. Odin dies as Thor and Loki look on, and Hela appears, destroying Thor's hammer, Mjolnir. So, a little bit more on Anthony Hopkins. Um, Colin, you Mm. seemed surprised when Odin died during that sequence. Um, Were you sad to see him go? I was a little bit. I was enjoying his his scenes when they they were up there. Mm. And I think the reason I was a little bit confused is because of the way that he died. Sprinkled into, like, dust. Yeah, so I don't... I mean, you know, I don't know what goes on in those like magical yeah. realms of the universe. Like maybe that's just him saying I'm going for a nap, you know? Like, um, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I was a little bit, I don't know if I was gutted to see him go. I mean, I think the guy's a legend and I do, I do like his character. I liked oh. Odin in these. Um, and I think I even said once he had died, I was like, what a gangster or something like that. <laughs> I remember saying, cause I, I did like him and yeah, it was a big moment though. Seeing old um, Thor's hammer get done in like that was, yeah. Mm. Yeah, that was uh, that was nice to be honest because I think one of my maybe one of my negative comments on a lot of these is some of these superheroes tend to rely a bit too heavily on their one yeah. you know like Cap with his shield and mm-hmm. and he hasn't even got the shield anymore, is he? Cap's Thinking got rid of the, the shield because it was made by a Stark oh. and fuck the Starks. Oh, we're moving on, aren't we? We're changing it up. So yeah, yeah that was cool. I like that. Cool, um, Colin did. Um, take his commentary go into anything on um i didn't watch it mate <laughs> did i say colin rob you did rob <laughs> robert trot take it in the director's commentary go into anything about odin's death scene because i don't i'm sure you're aware maybe you're not that there was a lot of changes um regarding that um very briefly mm. it was like we reshot this that's yeah. pretty much okay. all that was said <laughs> so um, yeah, do you want to do you want to get into it? Yeah, so I think there was an early trailer as well. Um, when we see Hela grab Mjolnir and break it, that was in the trailer. But she's what? not in Norway; she's in an alleyway in New York. Hmm. So then, when 
this scene happened in the film, people were like, well, that's not what it looks like in the trailer. So what had happened was when Loki put Odin in this care home, they actually, they, they did shoot these scenes as well. Um, Odin then essentially gets kicked out of the care home as well and becomes um, like this homeless guy on the streets of New York. And they find him um, down an alleyway, practically like begging for change. And he then reunites with him, explains about Ragnarok and Hela, and then dies on the streets of New York. Uh, they played that uh, sequence uh, as part of like a, a test screening and audiences were just devastated by it. They said, A, it's it's sad enough that you're sort of killing off Odin, but you, you mm. kill him off whilst he's homeless, homeless and hungry <laughs> with no money. And they were like, it just seems a bit cruel. So, uh, and it put everyone on a bit of a downer then in going into the next scene where it should be all exciting. Hella appears, they have a little scrap. They were still mm. thinking like, this poor bastard. So yeah, yeah. they, uh, but that's why they do all this because Marvel, during for the last like 10 films now, plan in their reshoots. They don't say, oh, this has not worked. Everyone come back. Once you sign that contract, you're going to come in for your reshoots. They all decide it from there. So then the idea was um, decided that maybe he should have gone somewhere a bit more peaceful. So he goes to like the shores of Norway and then he passes away peacefully there after telling both of his sons that he loves them very much. Um, also, Norway has links to that first yes. Thor film because that's where, in the prologue, that's where Odin arrived on the shores to, mm. to help the Viking, uh, mm-hmm. Viking people. But I don't think um, Kate Blanchett was available for the reshoots. So um, that's why... I, I guess it looks quite good, but when she grabs Mjolnir and smashes it and is having the dialogue with all these guys, uh, it's an entirely CGI background. Um, she actually did mm. shoot that scene in a New York alleyway. So mm. I think some of that sequence looks proper ropey, though. It, uh, like when the back shots of Thor, yeah. Loki, and mm-hmm. Odin look yeah. Real bad. Yeah, it doesn't look good. It it feels a little rushed. I think, yeah. which is crazy yeah. because I th- I think this one, I agree one hundred percent. But also this one had some of the most stunning um, mm, yeah. imagery no, and, and and CGI and yeah. And that, it was sure it's definitely into. clear that something in the beginning wasn't quite working, and whether it was yeah. rushed or anything like that, I'm not entirely sure. But everything on um, Sakar completely works for me. Yeah. So Hella pursues the two as they attempt to flee through the Bifrost Bridge, forcing them out into space. And arriving in Asgard, she defeats its army and kills the warriors three. She then resurrects the ancient dead who once fought with her, including her giant wolf Fenris, and appoints the Asgardian Scourge as her executioner. Hela plans to use the Bifrost to expand Asgard's empire, but Heimdall sneaks in, takes the sword that controls the Bifrost and begins hiding other Asgardians. So I have no idea if we have a jingle for this or not, but it is villain time. Uh, Colin. Oh, he's nasty. He's got a plan. Is it good? You tell me, man. (laughs) It's villain time. Uh, It's villain time. (laughs) Colin, uh, so how was Kate Blanchett as Hella for you? I, I know I ask this every week. So, you know, where does she rank among the MCU mm. villains near the top, around the middle? Because I, I know you've mentioned pre- in previous episodes that you feel like the MCU has somewhat of a villain problem. Mm. I would say I, 
that statement still runs true for me, to be honest. Mm-hmm. I don't think that she was bad. I think because the film lent so far into to comedy and it, maybe they didn't give her enough. Or I don't know. Maybe, the thing is, is I really like the film. So it's mm-hmm. like, I'm not bothered that they didn't, but yeah. I feel like her as a villain didn't quite get maybe what she needed to um, and especially with the fact that you find out that it's Odin's daughter and, you know, there's all this backstory that, mm. and there's all this history there. It almost feels like Hela could have done with her own movie of yeah. some sort because yeah. I feel like quite a massive, massive um, character to have in this world. And uh, and v- visually as well, I was, I was very back and forth on the headpiece because I think, I think the headpiece lent or it, it, it gave the opportunity to have some really nice moments of like the silhouette and, yep. and the so some of the shot and looked amazing like that. But I feel like on some of the closer, the close up parts, mm-hmm. it looked a little, it looked a little goofy. And also, I really liked how she looked when she didn't have the head, yep. head uh, gear on. I thought, you know, the whatever they did to the hair and makeup was was really good mm-hmm. before the headpiece. So like sometimes that was a little bit distracting. I found, but it did really work in the silhouette, like yep. some of the silhouette bits and that. So it's like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, there's no right or wrong there, really. But yeah, I mean, I, yeah, like I said, I stand by the comment of I still don't think um, Marvel have really nailed a, a massive mm. villain that that's proving to be up there with the likes of ones that we've already spoken about from other yeah. film series. And that. Colin, I, I think I'm going to kind of agree with you here. I'm very much I'm conflicted because I think she's a good villain. I think she plays well. I think Hela has a very oh, interesting. She plays well, yeah. She has a very interesting backstory as well. Um, I love seeing her kill hundreds and hundreds of people. It's it's, it's she's very effortless mm. at that. Um, Kate Blanchett studied. You're gonna um, pronounce this better than me, Colin. Capoeira. Mm. Oh yeah. She Capoeira, studied loads yeah. of that and practiced loads of that before the film. But Sakar. And everything else is so much fun that even though mm. I enjoyed her as a villain and I enjoy her backstory, blah, 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 what I've just said, anytime it went back to Asgard and back to her, I'm like, oh, no, go back, go back to Sakaar. Mm. It's it's an odd one. Um, yeah, tough, tough balance, really, isn't it? Because what yeah. was going on with her story and the whole Ragnarok Asgard thing mm-hmm. is so dark and it's so detrimental to the entire part of that universe mm-hmm. or whatever the fuck we're wherever we're at in, in this at the moment yeah and then like you said you've got you've got all of the fun mm-hmm. you know <laughs> improv comedy and all of the laughs and all of yeah. the like uh, visually stunning and very sci-fi 80s yeah. rock music mm-hmm. action loads of fun and i feel like that that was where the balance kind of felt a bit off to me was yeah. the bouncing back and forth which actually is kind of similar to how i felt about the previous thors with it bouncing between asgard because mm-hmm. i think i preferred asgard in the other two yeah and i wanted to spend more time there whereas in this one it was uh probably wanted to spend less time there yeah so mm. uh rob what about you how was um kate blanchett as hella i think they do a great job at setting up how powerful she is like from the off being able to destroy that hammer you know, mm-hmm. going there, absolutely going to Asgard, absolutely munting the warriors. Destroying for it. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. just Fuck like don't like right, you're gone, you're gone, yeah. dead, dead, dead. That was satisfying to watch. Incredible, because <laughs> then you're like, that's instantly a threat that mm. he's not faced before. Yeah, but I just think he's very pantomime. There's mm. no nuance to it, and what I really want, wish we could get from it, is even like to start off with having Odin say. You know, she 
was hell-bent on destruction, but that's on me. Like, mm. that's my fault. I uh, I ordered her to take over these realms with me. Yep. At some point, we needed someone like that. And there's a moment where I think she even says in the film, like, I thought you'd be happy to see me. Mm-hmm. But it's played... It, I think they could have really sort of gone more into, like, one minute she lets emotion out, mm. and the next minute she's like, oh, well, fuck you, I'm going to murder you all then. Mm-hmm. Because she's got no other way of dealing with emotion other than just obliterating people. There wasn't, like, a nuance to it. It was all very much just like, hello, I'm Hella. Yeah. And I kind of, I like the themes they explore with her, but I just don't think there was anything deeper in the way they sort of juggled it with her. Yep. And I think that, that that's what upsets me. I kind of want her to be sort of like, she's the rejected, like, illegitimate child, essentially, mm-hmm. isn't she? So if even, like, her own brothers reject her, yep. her own birthplace rejects her, mm-hmm. and, and we see some of the, what that does to her, maybe she'd be a bit more of an interesting villain. I like that a lot, yeah. Hella, 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 ho. Right. Hoo. <laughs> Thor crash lands on Sakaar, a garbage planet surrounded by wormholes. A slave trader called Designated Scrapper 142 subdues him with an obedience disc and sells him as a gladiator to Sakaar's ruler, the Grand Master, with whom Loki has already ingratiated himself. My God. Ingratiated. Ingratiated. Thank you, sir. <laughs> Thor recognises 142 as a Valkyrie, one of a, le- uh, one of a legendary force of female warriors who were killed. I'm so glad when these Thor movies stop. Who were killed fighting Hela aeons ago. Thor is forced to compete, don't do it, in the Grandmaster's Contest of Champions, facing his old friend, Hulk. Right, I've got about six things. There's I wanna, a lot there. Yeah, yeah I've got about yeah. six things I want to discuss here. Let's start at the top of my list. Colin, Jeff Goldblum in the MCU as the Grand Master. Happy to see him? Um, or was it just too weird having him in there? No, I think I, I agree with what you said, like probably 20, 20 minutes ago or something, when you said that this the first 20 minutes of this film was a little bit sort of finding its feet a yes. bit the tone was shifting like the, the you know the opening scene was great and then there was but it, as soon it never as they finds got to, a, a rhythm yeah and I, as soon as yeah. they got to Sakaar mm-hmm. is that what it's called yeah mm-hmm. and then as soon as you get introduced to, to Jeff Goldblum's character I think that's that's where the film just all all the pieces connected mm-hmm. for me and it was like oh okay <laughs> we're in um, yeah, I mean, it's funny because Jeff Goldblum kind of just playing a sort of caricature of himself in this, isn't it? Yeah. Like it's kind of what he's known for mm. from all his other mm-hmm. um, things, which I'm not complaining about. Whatsoever. No, I think if you I hire Jeff Goldblum, it, you're hiring him yeah. for a reason. Yeah, you could tell that he was loving every second of it yes. as well. Some of the back and forth between back and forths between Colin, him. no, oh, Colin, <laughs> yes. stop it. So sorry, I'm so sorry. Stop it. Um, some of those interactions between him and that. That female, mm-hmm. I don't know what her name was in this, like his sort of yep. second in charge or whatever. The back and forth between those, there were some mm-hmm. really good lines of dialogue. Well, what's one, uh, an incredible one where he men- um, she mentions the slaves. And he's oh, like, yeah. no, and you, like, don't, we don't, we don't yeah, say that say word. Yeah, the S word. Yeah. We don't say the S word. And she's like, okay, <laughs> the prisoners with jobs. And he's like, that's better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But no, I think having him as this sort of, you know, this this uh like leader of of this crazy planet that yeah. we just landed on or whatever it just it worked so well for me mm-hmm. and that that 
visually that area where they were I just loved it man I, I really enjoyed it it felt really it kind of felt fresh to me it, but it also at the same time took me back to some of those old older sort of sci-fi mm-hmm. movies from maybe the 80s and and that but it was nice it was nice to see I think I'm liking the fact that we're in a universe where things like this exist it mm. was fun so cars just full of these like very uh, like big on like um primary colors and mm, even like yeah, the, yeah, the, the so. set design everything v- feels very disco almost and everything's sharp and pointy it, yeah um from a set design point of view it's absolutely wonderful all those uh those lines are all taken from jack kirby artwork who was one of the original artists on thor uh rob jeff goldblum anything you want to discuss about his incredible he performance was on- he was on your game that you played with Colin about actors. Mm-hmm. He, um, As was Matt Damon, may I think. or may not. Yes. <laughs> well, I, I don't remember what my reaction would have been to, to Jeff Goldblum. I think you said no to all of them, and then George was like, "What if I told you like eight of them were in it?" Yeah. And he was like, "What?" <laughs> yeah, but to be fair, to be fair, at the beginning, I thought you meant as like, I mean, to, oh, Jeff Goldblum was a big character in this. Mm. Yeah. Um, he, um, I really love him. I think I love Jeff Goldblum in everything he's in. To be honest, but. For me, I he definitely won me over in this film when he has that moment when he's like, on any other planet, I'd be millions of years old, but on Sakaar... It just doesn't finish the sentence. Because oh, yeah. his reaction is just <laughs> brilliant. Oh, he just dear. sort of like do that thing with his hands when he's like, ah, mm, yeah. He's mm. <laughs> brilliant. When he melts his, uh, his cousin, oh, doesn't he? so good. He's like, oh, I'm stepping in it. <laughs> <laughs> What's the line? It's like, he, I, I, I something you... From life, I pardon oh, yeah, you. I pardon you. Yeah. I yeah. pardon you. Stabs him from life. It's in. It's brilliant. <laughs> I think that's when I became uh, fully on board with Jeff Goldblum being there. Oh, the sparkles, sparkles <laughs> of these fingers. What's that? <laughs> oh, Keep your eye on his fingers. Sometimes they sparkle. <laughs> uh, right. Let's continue on. Uh, we haven't really discussed him yet. I can't quite believe it. Um, Colin, how was Tom Hiddleston as Loki? This is now. His fourth appearance in the MCU, I fourth. think. Um, certainly, and I hope you would agree, uh, nowhere near as villainous as he used to be. No, without a doubt. I know he was way up there for you in terms of uh, villain ranks. So do you like this potentially new, softer Loki? I think there's a line in this one, and if I've got it right, I'm I'm proud of myself for how long ago I watched the film, but there is a moment where... Thor turns to Loki and I think he says, you really are the god of mischief, aren't you? Mm -hmm. Or the lord of mischief or something like that. And I think this was the first time in the MCU where he didn't really feel like a villain and he kind of felt a little bit... I don't want to say useless because definitely that's not the right thing, but sort of much, much, much weaker and much less of a a threat Mm -hmm. that I think I had in my head and I don't really know how I feel about that, to be honest. Interesting. Because, because uh, yeah, I, I don't know what it was about him in in the the earlier ones, but he really did feel like a very powerful villain. Mm-hmm. And I think, yeah, uh, it is odd. It's it's a little bit like what what Rob was saying about the helium balloon and the weight. I think it was just the helium balloon for Loki in this. I don't really know how much weight there was there. Okay. I don't know why. Yeah, it it was definitely conflicted for me. Mm -hmm. Because I thought he, he, I mean, there there was some, he had some great moments and there was a lot of obviously fun to be had. Yeah. 
But it, and 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 I think I even said it a couple of times while we were watching it. I'm like, I still don't trust him. Like, he I don't did, trust yeah. him at all. Mm-hmm. At any mm. point, I feel like he could just turn around and just fuck everyone over. <laughs> but yeah, no, that, I, I don't know. I, mm. I'm I'm a little bit undecided on how I feel about the direction, and and it kind of that we're going to circle back to this. I think a few times uh, from my point of view because I don't know how consistent. Yeah, I don't know how the consistency consistency is going to work from here on out because I think. You know what? I'm going to save it till later on because it's so that's sort of more of a wrap up of the entire film for me. I think. So I'm going to save it for now. Okay, uh, over to you, Rob. I really like him in this film, but I think because if you remember where we last saw him was in Thor: The Dark World, mm-hmm. where, yeah, where, he, where even did we last see him? Actually, that faking was, his death the last in Thor: Thor The Dark World. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, and in that film, it deals a lot with him and and Thor talking about you know, Frigga, their mother, dying. And they have, it sort of does explore their their relationship as brothers. And my favourite bits of Loki and this is when, like, I think my favourite even scene of Loki is when he's in the lift with... Mine too. With Thor. Mm-hmm. And Thor's like, look, Loki, we're, we we do this, we, we go round and round in circles. And and he's like, well, you're always going to be you and I'm always going to be me. Um and it's just sort of looking at that balance of how he is, like you say, the god of mischief. And he's always... I, th- I think there's an interesting sort of thing, because right after, he, he he is him. He tries to fuck him over. Yep. But yeah, I do like that there's sort of... There's been a development, I think, from the first Thor through to now. You could probably... If you looked at just what Loki does, I think there is definitely a sort of like a through line that leads him to the kind of person that would... Yeah, be a bit more sort of mm-hmm. on his brother's side, but he's still just playing the the odds. Of course, as soon as he's on Sakaar, he's like, "Well, I need to get him with the person in power. Mm-hmm. I need to." Yeah, he's you know, placing myself... bets against Thor to be yeah. killed by a Hulk and things like that. And it's in the lift as well when Thor kind of says to him, "Listen, you know, once all this is over, I'm going to go back to Asgard and sort that out. I think you should stay on Sakaar." This place like suits mm. you, and Loki looks a little hurt by that. Like yeah. that Thor's like accepting it, be like, "This place is full of assholes. You're gonna, yeah, you'll you're be great up. here. <laughs> this is for you." Yeah, yeah. and yeah. Loki is, yeah, he's very hurt by that. Um, and I, I love the little setup and payoff. It's going a little bit towards the end where, you know, uh, Loki visits Thor in the the freaky circle. Um, and Thor goes to throw the rock at him and it goes through. So Loki's using one of his parlor tricks to not actually be there. And there's that piss off ghost, piss off ghost. We're going to get onto Korg later. Trust me. <laughs> and, uh, you know, there's that moment in the, at the end when they're on Asgard technically as a ship now. And there's that beautiful payoff where he goes to throw something at Loki and says, if you were here, I may even give you a hug and Loki catches it. And obviously we never see the hug or know whether it happens or not, but, Progress is being made between these brothers. But, Colin, also, you're very, very right as well in constantly questioning, should we still trust Loki? Um, We will get asked that question a little bit later because you may have noticed or you may not have noticed Loki doing something towards the end of the film. We will get there soon. Uh, next, Tessa Thompson as Valkyrie. I remember halfway through the movie, Colin, you said, "What's this lady? Uh, what's this girl's name?" And I, in my head, I remembered thinking, 
is he making positive notes or negative notes here? <laughs> um, and I actually only just realised she, a couple of weeks ago, I just realised this, that she is American. That English accent is flawless. Um, I only mm. realised that when she was on Hot Ones, um, that show on, oh, right. on YouTube. So, yeah, uh, a new addition to the MCU now. Uh, how was Tessa Thompson as Valkyrie? Yeah, I quite liked her, actually. Good. I, I think the reason I asked is mainly because I got the impression that she's going to be a next-time baby, for sure, mm-hmm. and was and will become a bigger part of things and I was I was into her man I liked her vibe I liked the character of mm. her being this sort of broken patching up her wounds of alcohol and mm-hmm. just kind of floating through the world and I, I thought it was cool yeah definitely want to see more and obviously the, you know the way the film ended with with that sort of crew of them on the ship yes. then it's pretty big indication that she's going to be part of things from now on she, and I'm, I'm into it she might be yeah. around a little bit longer yeah mm. Rob Tessa Thompson as Valkyrie yeah, I really, really like her. I'd seen her in um, Creed yes. before I'd seen her in this, which um, it was one of those things. I think sometimes when you're watching a film and someone's performance just sort of catches you because she's great in that film mm-hmm. as well. And I was like, I need to know who this is. <laughs> and when she was announced to be in Thor Ragnarok, I was like, well, I'm on board. So I, d- I did know she was American because I assumed it was the other way round kind of thing yeah. that she was putting on a British accent rather than had been putting on an American one in uh, in Creed. But yeah, she is great. And I think from her introduction, you know, you get this sense that she's... Uh, I, I, it is a bit sort of like the slapsticky drunk at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Well, when she falls she falls out of the ship, don't she? Yeah, which I also think... Yeah. But then what, in, in hindsight, when they reveal that she's Asgardian as well, it kind of makes more sense because it's not like... I think when you see those things with human characters, like, mm. oh, they're so drunk, they're stumbling around, and oh, yeah. it's like when kids pretend they're drunk, you know. Yeah. Oh, look, I'm so drunk. <laughs> um, it was that kind of thing. And I, um, but knowing she's Asgardian, and obviously it would take a lot of of booze to to silence any demon she has, mm. it was, uh, or to have that kind of overdrunk effect, it, it sort of uh, is less egregious, I think. Yeah. Awesome. So, I can't believe we haven't awesome. discussed him yet. Awesome. Uh, the reappearance <laughs> of Hulk. Um, is it good to see the Incredible Hulk back on your screen, Colin? Did the reveal work for you? Oh, yeah. The reveal worked extremely well <laughs> because I was, even when, when the announcer was, you know, saying the Incredible, mm-hmm. and I was still in my head, I'm <laughs> like, it's not going to be Hulk. They're doing that as a little, you know, they're trying to, they're trying to get everyone in the cinema, like, mm-hmm on the edge of their seat thinking he's going to be there. And then I was thinking it's just going to be like, you know, a complete throwaway and something else pops yeah. out. But so when, so when it was actually Hulk, I was like, oh shit, he's in this? Because <laughs> Your face yeah. was Yeah, beautiful. no, I was, I was really, I was really surprised and into it. And also I, I think it was the fact that Doctor Strange had already popped up at the beginning. Mm-hmm. In my head, we were I'm cameoed, thinking, cameoed he's, out. Well, well, yeah, that. And also, I'm thinking Doctor Strange is probably going to be coming back at some point. Right. So, in my head, I'm thinking, well, well, I don't think they're going to throw anyone. We've just got, we've got these other new characters coming in. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but so I was, I was very, very happy to see him. And that, that scene of the, those two going out, it was a lot of fun to watch. And I loved the whole, firstly, you've got Thor going, like, oh, that's my friend. And he's sort of like <laughs> giggly about it. Yeah. Like, he, and then, he's a friend from work. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, that was done really well. Really well. Good. Rob, this moment, as Colin doesn't know, was obviously in the trailer. I can't believe that. Well, and so that was in the trailer, along with Hela smashing Mjolnir 
Yeah, it was all there. God damn. Um, surely you were happy to see him and know he was coming back, though. But <laughs> I know Rob's like a, a massive, like lifelong Hulk yeah, yeah, fan. So I'm, I, yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean, I'm intrigued to know, like, what were you, you know, yeah, what version of Hulk you preferred? I I always prefer it when it's something uncontrollable to, um, to Bruce. But the, mm. I thought the interesting angle of they've not had the whole thing of it being purely the Hulk for two years. I think that's what made it interesting. Mm. Was that um, as he put it, he he always had one hat. You know, he always had one hand on the steering yep. wheel, but this time he was locked in the trunk, and mm. mm-hmm. you know the big guy was driving. Yeah, I I really like the approach here that he's like got a bit more nuanced emotion. Mm. Weirdly, because Hulk's always about rage, but then they sort of delve into this whole thing of. No one on earth wants me. And, that breaks my heart. Yeah, yeah. That it's just yeah. That stuff really, really works for me. And I think they got. Colin said something interesting actually, which I did a little bit of research about. Oh, hold on, because I think this is one of the things that I wanted to ask about, and I, that's one of the things I was scared to do research on because I didn't want to get spoiled. Mm. Is it about the uh, the sound design on his voice? Yeah, you said that his voice sounded different, and how they did it. Mm. Well. I am DB yeah. fact. I am DB <laughs> fact. <laughs> so this was the first time in the Marvel Cinematic Universe that the Incredible Hulk was not voiced by the original Hulk, Lou Ferrigno, mm. who was a you know, famous bodybuilder who played it in the old TV series. Yep. Mark Ruffalo did the voice for the Hulk in the whole of this film. There wasn't like a merging of his voice or Ferrigno's mm. or purely Ferrigno's. Mm. It was all Mark Ruffalo doing the voice, which is why it probably sounds different to how it has done previously yep. okay interesting because i'm not yeah. sure in terms of how they mixed it or the effects no, was, they put on it because it, was, it yeah. was yeah one of the things that confused me a bit about it was and again i'd probably have to do an even deeper look into it of how like the sound designers or whoever did it did it but it sounded like some some obviously they were layering up lots of vocals of of it turns out to be um ruffalo mm-hmm. But it sounded like there was a couple of layers in there were almost like doing these sort of melodic throws through like auto-tune. Because like it, it felt like every now and again you got that weird sort of T-Pain vibe happening on certain things, <laughs> which actually really threw me off. And I didn't and, and I didn't understand why that would be a choice. Charlie. Because, because <laughs> I, I, and, and I wanted to know if there was a reason if that was a thing or if I was just picking up on, on strangeness. Because if that was a choice, I would love to know the creative decision behind that because... You know, something like auto-tune and those kind of sounds are so based in a digital realm. And to me, Hulk is purely organic. So it's like a strange decision to make. But maybe it was just the fact that I I was picking up on things wrong. I love that. Um, It all went obviously completely straight over my head, anything like that. (laughs) Um, No, I'm I'm super intrigued as well. Um, I mean, it doesn't make any difference to the film, and it's just me overanalyzing sound as I do with every aspect of my life. If any of the listeners want to give us a tweet, they, if they, if obviously Colin doesn't have Twitter, so if you get in touch with us on, yep. on the twits and let us know um, yeah. if there's any sound design buffs out or there, any, or any or any articles or something on it, like or even just whoever the uh, some get of the audio with the sound production team or the sound designers or the ADR. Yeah, so we can uh, find out just how that effect was done. That'd be amazing. We yeah, that'd be sweet. To you without. Spoilers. Yeah, well, that's what I mean. I didn't want to start googling that mm. because that could have opened up all sorts. Because I'm sure Hulk, the Hulk, comes back many more times throughout this, and I didn't want to be. Uh, well, that'll be seeing, that incredible. Seeing things if, I shouldn't. Yeah, mm. finding this out. I'm very intrigued now. 
that first fight though between them two is oh, was brilliant. There's some lovely little references to the uh, the sun's getting real low. <laughs> Banner, mm. it's me. Banner, <laughs> keep saying Banner as well, which you know is just pissing the Hulk off even more. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but um, especially um, the you know the opening shot where they they jump at each other. I was sat there while we was watching it, and I was a big smile on my face. <laughs> I thought, ka-ching, 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 ka-ching. <laughs> Marvel money shot. But also within the Marvel money shot, Thor has a brand new haircut. (laughs) I know, I know. I'm getting to it. Don't worry, because before before the big jump sequence, there's a moment where a new look that's also very money shot worthy, Mm. (laughs) phrasing, Um, Marvel money shot worthy. Um, Thor's got a new haircut, hasn't he? He has. He looks all new and revamped, but it's also these sort of like cuts in the side of his head. And you're thinking, I remember on the trailer, you'd be like, Who's well, that's father? a weird new look. Yeah. He's got a new look there. How's he got those cuts in the side of his head? And then we found out, didn't we? Of course. We're suddenly unveiled to us, he's excelsior. Seamless. Yeah. It's as if I had made notes. <laughs> <laughs> I've not even. I have written it down. Um, <laughs> so, so Stan, his word, his lines in this uh, this one. It's a very nice one, but I did notice this time, but purely because I've seen the film so many times. But he's clearly holding nothing mm-hmm. because when you look at the actual <laughs> CGI effect, it's all over the shop. Yeah. But it's not. He's not holding it. He's clearly. It's, anyway, enough of that because his performance goes as. Don't you move! My hands aren't as steady as they used to be. <laughs> But, but I, I love later on when someone mentions Thor's hair is different and he says some creepy old guy cut it off. I love that he's referred to as a creepy old guy. Uh, that was brilliant. Oh, bless you, Stan. So, uh, summoning lightning, Thor gets the upper hand, but the Grandmaster sabotages the fight to ensure Hulk's victory. Still enslaved after the fight, Thor attempts to convince Hulk and Valkyrie to help him save Asgard, but neither are willing. He soon manages to escape the palace and finds the Quinjet that brought the Hulk to Sakaar. Hulk follows Thor to the Quinjet, where a recording of Natasha Romanoff causes him to transform back into Bruce Banner for the first time since Sokovia. So it's not just Chris Hemsworth this time around that gets to show off his comedic chops. We also get to see Mark Ruffalo in an MCU comedy. Uh, one thing... More like Mark Ruffle, oh, though, Jesus am I right? Christ. Uh, one thing, Colin, that you mentioned around, I think, the Avengers and Age of Ultron was that you liked how dark, like, the character Bruce Banner was. Were you kind of maybe upset to see them change again the character somewhat for Ragnarok? I was a little bit... I I, I really enjoyed the Hulk in this. Mm-hmm. And I, I agree with Rob. I love seeing because actually there was a point in this one where I was like, "Are we even going to see Banner?" Yeah. Because that because they gave a lot of time to mm-hmm. to the Hulk, which I actually was enjoying. I like the kind of you know seeing the kind of toddlery version. Oh, he's, of Hulk he's amazing. And, yeah, yeah. There were some really cool moments there. Um, and yeah, I mean, I was I was obviously happy to see Mark Ruffalo as Banner, and I love the fact that it was. Um, a video of of what's her name Natasha the thing that brought him down yeah. from from you know back to to being Bruce Banner mm. um but yeah i mean it's it's sort of similar and even more so to how i felt about loki i feel like ruffalo's banner was so 
deep mm-hmm. and dark and sort of damaged. Uh, it felt like there were so many layers in mm-hmm. there that I wanted to explore. And I get the fact that this film's, you know, a, a, a fun comedy. Yeah. And I understand that it would be very odd to have uh, Bruce Banner turn up and be, you know, this really deep <laughs> yeah, layered, yeah. Um, version of himself. So I kind of get it from a standalone movie point of view and I had fun watching him. Yep. I feel like he was maybe a little one-dimensional because it was just all out panic. Yeah. And and although he played that well, mm-hmm. again, like I'm, I'm, and I don't know if this is the right way to think about it, but I'm thinking about what is that? It's, it's the inconsistencies that I'm thinking about of when we next see Banner, is he, and I know that, I know they kind of give you the, the reasoning behind this is because he's been in Hulk for so mm-hmm. long and and this, that, and the other. But I still feel like there could have been a little bit more depth in in Bruce Banner for okay. me. And I'm I'm hoping they bring that back in the the later installments. Mm. And um it was fun. It was fun, don't get me yeah. wrong. Um but I think going back to Rob's helium balloon, I think the weight had disappeared mm-hmm. on, on Bruce Banner. Interesting. I'm just gonna say as well, I'm not gonna take credit for the helium balloon thing because I just remembered it was a good one though what video it was from. It was talking about Anchorman 2. Mm. It was a video from a creator called uh, Nerdstalgic on uh, YouTube. Mm. And that was the analogy they used for for comedy, needing to have mm. that weight. To it's a really good one. Just, a really good one. Yeah, like yeah, it. totally good. But I'm also not going to take credit for it, so yeah. <laughs> I can't be that. So I'm going to ask you the same question, Rob, because like before I mentioned, you're a lifelong Hulk fan. So does it kind of hurt you yeah. to see Bruce Banner essentially in a comedy? That was, when I first saw it, that was the the thing that I, I agree with Colin. Yeah, it, it, I, I do find it difficult because I, they, they have elements of it. When he's talking, when he, that's probably one of my favourite bits of the film for Banner is when he's talking about not having a hand on mm-hmm. the wheel anymore. I just wish we, maybe we, I wish we'd seen a bit more existential conflict in terms of having to, you know, when he says, if I become the Hulk again, I will... I could never come mm-hmm. back. I don't know. Like, and sort of more existential dread about that as a possibility. Because he makes a decision later on in the film, the doesn't he, again. to turn back into Hulk mm. again. And I guess that's almost like a self-sacrifice in a way, but it's not played off mm. as that. Because Well, you don't really, yeah, you just don't feel No, it, last time he turned he, into Hulk, he lost, he lost himself for two years. And mm, he yeah. realises that that one moment later on in the film where Hulk is needed... And yeah, I guess maybe there was an opportunity there for him to have that realization of this could be it now for me. But it's not. I mean, maybe if there was just a moment before he jumped, because he's like saying you could still have that joke, but you could counteract it with a moment of real seriousness in that ship where he. I mean, it's easy to be fucking Captain Hindsight (laughs) and saying how they should have made the film. (laughs) But I guess what I would have found really interesting. As a as a fan of Banner and the Hulk, is if he just had a little conversation to himself in that ship, like mm. right, buddy, we yeah, you know, there's more at stake than me and you right mm. now. Maybe even just pleading with yeah. him, let me come back. Mm. Like I don't know, just something in the middle of all this because it's a real dark moment in the film. There's lots going on. There's lots of you know, it's you're seeing the Asgardians get you know butchered. Mm-hmm. It's like the stakes are pretty high at that point. It would have been a perfect point for it. And then you think, you know, maybe there's this moment of 
is he going to turn into the Hulk? Is the Hulk going to be on board with this thing that he's put? And then obviously the thump on the yeah. bridge. Would still we land. will get into that because that is the hardest yeah, I've I seen just... Colin laugh in a long time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong, that is fucking funny, <laughs> objectively. But yeah, I do feel like th- there's a lot of him talking, where, where, where am I? Oh. Yeah, it was, it was for, too for much. the whole film. And I get it's a Thor film, you don't have much time, but it is... I, I, all the questions that Colin had of, of you know, where does he go from here, I had when I first saw mm-hmm. it as well. Really interesting, boys. So the Grandmaster orders Valkyrie and Loki to find Thor and Hulk, but the pair come to blows, and Loki forces her to relive the deaths of her Valkyrie companions at the hands of Hela. Deciding to help Thor, she takes Loki captive. Unwilling to be left behind, Loki provides the group with the means to steal one of the Grandmaster's ships. They then liberate the other gladiators who, incited by two aliens named Korg and Meek, stage a revolution. Let's talk Korg, a motion captured and voiced by Taika Waititi. Colin, was Korg one step too far in this crazy comedy or did he somehow fit into this weird film? Yeah, I mean, this is this is Taika Waititi's comedy, isn't yeah. it? It's him. And, and all it really made me want to do was go back and watch his films that I've <laughs> seen in the past already. Um, and I thought it was great. I mean, it... Yeah, I mean, I don't really... I think he might have even been one of my favourite characters in the film, to be Brilliant. honest. I mean, just throwing out... It's just that sense of humour, isn't it? It's such so a... Dry. I don't want to use the word... Yeah, I don't want to use the mm. word unique because that's a shit <laughs> word. But um, you don't see a lot of that kind of humour in big Hollywood blockbuster movies. No. And I think probably because it is a bit hit or miss with some people, it's not, it's not a safe version of comedy. It's not the stuff that I moan about from the other films <laughs> where it's throw in some fucking... Uh, you know, some pop culture reference to get people to go, oh, I know what that is. Yeah, so whereas <laughs> like it's uh, not Doctor that. Strange, sometimes Beyonce, just saying the word Beyonce yeah. would be a punchline. Instead, you meet mm. Korg. And the first, what is it? The first time we see him, he mentions nothing to be afraid of, just a big pile of rocks talking to you. Um, nothing to be scared mm. of unless you're, uh, what is it? A pair of scissors. Just a little rock, paper, scissor joke there for you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, in exactly. his second line of dialogue, he's talking about he tried to start a revolution, but... Um, he didn't print enough pamphlets and only in his mum and his stepdad turned up who he hates. It's like, yeah. and, what is going and on? It's, it's, it's the delivery yeah. as well. It's, his, it's, his, it's the way he delivers those lines. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just done really well. And mm. I can imagine he was, yeah, it just brings me back to what I said yeah. earlier. It must have been so much fun to be on that set because I bet he was doing that behind the camera oh, as well to them to get them to do the improv, the back and yeah. forth. It would have been, would have been. Quite I love good. him at the end as well when, um, they're all standing on the bridge of Asgard, and Thor says, "Where, <laughs> where to? Uh, where to, Meek?" And Korg's holding Meek under his arm, and he's like, "Oh no, Meek's dead! I stomped on when he, <laughs> I stomped him on the bridge. <laughs> I felt felt so bad. I've been carrying him ever since." Um, Rob, um, does Waititi's style of comedy work in the MCU? Does he use Korg too much in this, or not enough? No, it's just just the right amount. Um... What I like about it is that it's when we talk about diversity in cinema, it can I think things like this uh of you know, he's got a different worldview to to a lot of um sort of American and UK viewers especially going into this. And he actually based this on um a Polynesian bouncer. 
like the idea of the sort of bouncers mm-hmm. um, who look like these big, muscly blokes, but then they're like, hey, hey man, oh, you're right? you yeah, yeah. That kind of thing. They're like gentle giants. That's how he, what, how he, um, what he based the character on. And you think you can only have that perspective if yeah. you're from a different, a different place. So it's important to give different voices um, the chance to create art because that's how you get these unique things Fuck yeah. that feel different. Yeah, I, re- I really, really like him as a character. Like you say, that every line... Piss off, ghost. I know we've done it before, but it's so- I, I, to this day, <laughs> so- I still shout it in the house. Yeah. Same. Yeah, We hear, we, we're do in every, bed, every- anything creaks. Oh, piss off, ghost. <laughs> yeah, same. I'm just about to say the same thing. Oh, yeah, he's great. And I, lo- I love how he's sort of able to almost make commentary on Taika Waititi's view of Thor as a a stuffy concept anyway, because yeah. you've got the whole thing of like, uh, so what you're saying is that you and this hammer had a relationship that was almost comparable yeah. to that of a yeah. loved one, and losing it is quite, you know, it's just... Oh my God, the hammer I pulled you off? overdone. <laughs> the hammer pulled you off? Um, the, it's just, um, it's a good way of sort of, you know, having making commentary on what has come before, but, you know, it's nice that they don't overdo it yeah. in this. He's, he's a welcome enough, like, you, you you sort of come out of the film thinking, him being part of Thor's gang of friends mm. is is nice. Yeah. Like, mm. uh, it's, it's, it's a cool nice seeing, him, seeing him on the bridge at the end next to Valkyrie and Loki and Hulk yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah, it's a, it's a great image. We can rebuild it. The foundations are strong. <laughs> and it blows up, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's <Yeah>. gone. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, Loki again attempts to betray his brother, but Thor anticipates this and incapacitates him, leaving him behind where Korg, Meek, and the gladiators soon find him. Thor, Banner, and Valkyrie escape through a wormhole to Asgard, where Hela's forces attack Heimdall and the remaining Asgardians in pursuit of the sword that controls the Bifrost. Banner transforms into Hulk again, defeating Fenris, while Thor and Valkyrie fight Hela and her warriors. Right, so let's talk this battle sequence then. Again, there's lots to uh, discuss from things like um, Thor maybe becoming more powerful than ever, even without uh, Mjolnir. Like the, um, are you the god of hammers line, stuff like that, I think is absolutely Mm. incredible. And uh, uh, yeah, I'd love to hear your thoughts about that as well. Um, During like this two, two and a half hour interview I listened to with Taika Waititi, he did mention that. And he said that there was a couple more lines from Anthony Hopkins in that sequence as well that he thought were too funny and kind of pulled people out that scene because that's just when things maybe started getting a little bit serious. Um, in that scene as well, whilst he's um, getting the shit kicked out of him by Heller and he starts imagining his dad talking to him or whether his dad actually is talking to him, who knows? Mm. Odin actually mentions to him that when Thor was a newborn baby, they had to give Mjolnir to him because he couldn't stop electrocuting the staff, which I think is amazing. Just referring to them as the staff, mm. as a newborn baby and electrocuting them, I, I thought that's brilliant. Um, all the way from um, Hulk fighting just whoever and whatever he wants to, to the second use of Immigrant Song by Led Zeppelin, to Thor losing an eye in the battle against Hela, and obviously all of this ending with the destruction of Asgard. As Thor says, um, his dreams about Ragnarok weren't telling him to stop Ragnarok, but to cause it. 
So throughout all of this, Colin, um, I won't go through all the individual aspects. What 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 worked for you? What didn't? Like, let me hear your thoughts. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, a lot most of it were. I was just enjoying the ride by mm. this point. I think visually, the the moments where Thor, you know, really shows the God of Thunder again and, that and wide shot the... of the Bifrost yeah, and him yeah, yeah. diving into it yeah. with all ka-ching, ka-ching. Yeah, big time. Yes, Marvel money shots. <laughs> Yeah, no, that that was cool. And um, yeah, one thing, had we heard much about this eternal fire at, up to this point in the Thor? No, what we, we've seen... Except from by the Bangles in their, in their classic hit. <laughs> we've, and later, Atomic Kitten. We've seen glimpses of Odin's trophy room uh, in mm. other Thor movies. There's one point where... We, I think it's the dark world where we walk past what looks like an infinity gauntlet, a big okay. gold yeah. glove yeah. where maybe first you one. could put mm. lots of mm. infinity stones on. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. The the filmmakers maybe got to Ragnarok and decided uh, that's not going to work for us with for what we've got planned. So there's a moment when Hella walks in and she grabs it and she says "fake" and pushes it over. So that's them very luckily writing themselves out of that corner. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. There is also in the trophy room towards the end when Loki goes to get the 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 crown of of Surtur, yeah, 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 yeah. He walks past the tesseract. Yeah, yeah, because he looks at it, doesn't he? And, and but he looks at it, and then it cuts. So Colin, mm. do you reckon he grabbed? It? I'm asking you that question. Well, it's Loki, isn't it? Mischief. God of Mischief. Interesting. <laughs> I, they, they definitely well, the they cut. show us him. Mm. He, he definitely clocks that it's there. And then it cuts. Yeah. Well, then I would say he's probably pinched that on his way out. Very he? interesting. Uh, anything else uh, regarding this final sequence? Like, did the second time we heard Immigrant Song, it didn't like, because I know like... You not the when ACDC, for example, is used in Iron Man. Uh, is the Led Zeppelin songs are some of the most expensive songs ever? Yeah, no, get make, get your money's worth to get the rights for, and he uses it mm. twice mm. in this. He must have paid paid a hefty a lot of the budget went into it. Yes. Um, um, so did, did <laughs> oh, it work for shit. you though? Yeah, I mean, you know, it, I mean, it's it's a classic track mm-hmm. and i don't think you'll find that many people that don't like it um was it overused i mean it didn't bother mm-hmm. me I, I i think it's a good I like it gets it gets the blood flowing it reminds me of school of rock actually <laughs> there's the scene when um he he goes out on a date and he's singing it to his date yep. in, in his little beat yes. van so it kind of brought a smile to my face there really so um I could see why some people might be sort of similarly to the way I react to ACDC in the Iron mm-hmm. Man films. Um, because, you know, it's it's a bit of an obvious song, I would say, if I really had to pick a negative for it. It's like it, it it's a song that everyone knows, which is a good mm-hmm. thing, but also at the same time, you're like, well, of course they've got this yeah. song. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? But mm-hmm. I do agree with the fact that they must have paid top, top he, dollar he, for that. In the interview so, I listened to him, he mentions it many times that it, Oh really? It, it blew him away. <laughs> a how much it was, yeah. and the B that Disney were like, "Yeah, okay." To be fair, I'm surprised Disney don't own it by this yeah, point. Very so, true. Um, that's surprised. That's surprising. <laughs> and enough. then lastly, um, we know that from Thor One and Thor: The Dark World, you're quite a fan of Asgard. That's now gone. Mm. Well, yeah, uh, Asgard mm. is now a people, and uh, 
no longer a place. Um, sad to see the end of Asgard. N- not really. I-, I like the direction they've gone in with this new sort of. They've almost made like a sort of another Guardians crew, haven't they? Like at, by the yeah. end of it, they're all on a, a ship. And there's a handful yeah. of them. Yeah, like the sort of like the well, maybe not misfits wouldn't be the right thing, but not quite the same as the Guardians. But I do like that. Although, like in hindsight, I'm I'm a little bit. I would have liked to have got a bit more history and a bit more of the actual backstory to things like the. I think the Eternal Flame thing could have mm-hmm. been a a big, a big sort of plot point mm. throughout yeah. that. And I also would have really liked to have known a lot more about Odin's history with. Uh, Hella, yeah, and sort of like why we touch on like what, almost what, what, colonialism a little bit, don't we? Yeah, it's and, and very it's, interesting. And yeah, it's almost yeah. like you know what was the reason that that Odin was initially wanting to do the same as as Hella, and they were almost like a, a tag team at it to the point that he kind of realised that what he's created, and then pulls a left turn on it. It would have been. I'd love an Odin prequel TV show. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, like mm. something like that would mm. be cool. It would have been nice to have at least get a bit more. And also, that could still happen. Yeah, you know, There's 100%. no reason why we can't get prequels to these things. So, um, mm. I mean, I, like, yeah, so I don't really know if that answers your question. But I sort of, I'm happy with the direction they've gone mm. in. But I would have liked to have delved a little deeper into some of the history. Because I just think that sort of universe and, and that all the mythology behind that. Yep seems really interesting to me and even like those little back bits when we see about um valkyrie and you know they have that really cinematic shot of 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 hella taking yes. out her entire crew yeah. and that like that Do was cool. the jingle <laughs> please ka-ching 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 <laughs> marvel money shots yeah oh. Oh, it's just that bit that kills me that's the best bit it's the different uh, grunt each time um I thought I'd ask because you mentioned it, and it is indeed. Oh, it's, it's incredible! Shop for sure. It is it's visually stunning. So then, sure. same for you, Rob. I know there's a lot going on. So, what works for you? What doesn't? Is there anything that stands out? I really, really like Hulk just getting to beat the shit out of a big yes. dog. <laughs> really funny, really <laughs> epic, and like you, you can tell, like half of these images could be on sort of eighties heavy mm-hmm. metal yeah. album covers, oh, and that's yeah, another yeah, example yeah. of it. Just getting to see Hulk beat up big monsters and be in these happy places. Big uh, monster. It's good for me. Big monster. <laughs> um, so good. And I, I, I do like the, I agree, I wish we had seen more of that history. Even as much as I hate expositional kind of cutaways, you see the imagery of what was been and what has been papered over, which is a great image anyway, of the, you know, underneath the sort of veneer of, the happy, peaceful Asgard. There's, you know, it was built on yeah. blood. You know, which a lot of a lot of countries, ours included, have got their fair share of papered over For history. Sure. Um, yeah, and I think it had a lot more interesting things to say and do in Asgard, but it's it's just so unbalanced. It's like I wish we could have seen a film where Thor was trapped on Sakaar and the whole plot was him trying to get mm-hmm. off of Sakaar. <laughs> um, <laughs> And, and then a separate film there. was covering Ra- Hela, Ragnarok, all that stuff. Because I just feel like it was, I wanted to spend more time in both Agreed. places. You felt like it was two and, films uh, crammed into one? Yeah, a little. Mm-hmm. I think you could have easily have, have, have made just Thor going to Sakaar and trying to over 
you know, free the people of Sakaar from the Grandmaster. Yep. That that could have been a film on its own. I don't think you necessarily, yeah, and he could have left and flown off through the devil's yes. anus. Uh, anything on <laughs> Scourge? I know I haven't really mentioned Scourge yet. I mean, Scourge is one of those characters that I feel he's, um, I don't know, when he felt jarring because when you first sort of meet him, he's in that 20 minutes where everything's being thrown mm-hmm. at you. He's like, behold, my stuff, all that, that, you know, that stuff early on. And when you see him afterwards, he's just kind of like standing there like, well, I probably shouldn't be stood here, but if I if I don't do this, I'm going to get killed. He just sort of looks My thing with Scourge is, don't you find from then on, every single shot of him is too on the nose, of him being like, oh, I regret this. And it's every shot yeah. is a reaction shot of that. Yeah, you kind of think it's going to zoom in and do the Kirby and Fugitives and Fleet each time. That <laughs> bom, 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 bom. <laughs> but um, I have, if you're interested and if you're humor me, a audio commentary yeah. fact about Scourge. Um, so early on, he's seen to a much comical effect shaking a, sh- a shake weight, mm, which um, is the. Me. Yeah, <laughs> the, um, <laughs> the weight that makes you look like you're waking. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, and it's uh, used by Scourge, but the fun fact about that is that it's actually Taika Waititi's Brilliant. shake weight. And uh, he went on to describe that he bought it whilst um, on the set of Green Lantern with Ryan Reynolds, because he was the sort of best friend yeah. to Ryan Reynolds, Hal Jordan, in that film. He said he was bored in a hotel one day watching loads of infomercials and it came on an advert and he bought it impulsively. <laughs> and that's why that's in the Love film. That. Nice. Yeah, I, I like Scourge, but I just feel like it was, like you said, the, the handling of him was just a bit, if he had his own film and you had a mm-hmm. bit more, he mm-hmm. sort of says, oh, I fought with you years ago to Thor. I would love to have seen mm-hmm. that. I'd love to see a bit more about that and um, have the Asgard stuff have some time to breathe and, and sort yeah. of... Well, Taika's first cut of the film came in just over two hours and 40 minutes long. So there's, there's who knows what character stuff was left on the floor, yeah. you know, to overtake mm. for the laughs. And maybe that was the right decision. Maybe the film's nowhere near mm. as funny and as brisk with all that thrown in. Uh, yeah. Who knows? Um, but maybe there was stuff in there. Oh, there's a moment in that Anthony Hop in the Odin yes. sequence I really love. And I, I always gets me in films, always makes me a bit weepy, just because I've got such a strong bond with my own dad. But when he um, he said, you know, Thor says, I'm not as strong as you, and he says, you're not, you're stronger. Mm. His delivery of it is um, mm. is really, really good. I don't know why that affects me so much, because I, I, you know, now I have my own son especially. Um, the idea of being able to impart such, such wisdom yep. one day. But yeah, from the moment of him having that badass mm-hmm. realization that he is the god of thunder, yes. not the, the god of hammers. Yeah, so that music—the first time we hear it—I find it interesting because while we were chatting about um, immigrant song, now I'm thinking, oh, why is it used twice? Is it because it's like his battle theme, like when he's going into battle, mm-hmm. he hears it, but then he goes into battle plenty of times in the film, and it's not there. It's at the beginning because he's got the hammer and he's he believes he's at his battle mm. peak. You know, he's doing all this like looking badass shit, throwing it in circle, taking out god knows how many demons and that just was cool. Of, yeah. yeah, being this incredible sort of warrior. And for the rest of the film, he's kind of doubting himself. He can only do sparkles. Yeah. Hulk's beating the shit out of him. He's 
you know, he's not as strong as he uh-huh. used to be. And in this moment, when that all comes back to him, without the need of Mjolnir, the song comes back. And I think, thinking on it, I'm like, oh, actually, that's a badass use of that song. <laughs> mm. I'm, <laughs> I'm all for like it. Got their money's worth, and they did all it well. for it. <laughs> So, Loki and the gladiators arrive to rescue the citizens, and a repentant scourge sacrifices himself to enable their escape. Thor, facing Hela, loses his right eye, and then has a vision of Odin that helps him realise only Ragnarok can stop her. He sends Loki to retrieve Surtur's crown and place it in the Eternal Flame. Surtur is reborn and destroys Asgard, killing Hela as the refugees flee. Aboard the Grandmaster's spaceship Thor, now King of Asgard, reconciles with Loki and decides to take his people to Earth. That's the end of the film there, boys. So, any final thoughts? Anything I've missed? Anything you want to go through before we jump into the ratings and trivia? Um, Just one little bit that we're talking about bits that made us laugh, and this bit makes me laugh every time, but it's when um, you've just had the announcement that it's the Grandmaster's sort of pleasure boat the the ship that they're on and um bruce is like is, are these rockets and he hits it and it's loads of fireworks <laughs> a hologram a hologram <laughs> of a grandmaster going it's my birthday <laughs> i also love every time um, thor just before he jumps out of the window to um go to the quinjet from where they're keeping yeah. um himself and hulk and it, he gets what looks like a bowling ball Gives this big heroic mm. speech, the music swells, and he throws it against the window and it bounces back into him and knocks him out. Um, <laughs> That's what that heroes do. very, very, very funny. Yeah, the shot, there's one particular shot, doesn't make me laugh, but it's um, if we're just talking about last little odds and sods that we wanted to mention, um, there's a shot of Bruce Banner when he's watching the footage from the Quinjet and his face perfectly lines up with the Hulk. Yes. Um, and the Hulk looks real mm-hmm. scared that he's, you know, this is yep. going on. Real Welcome, good. strongest Avenger. Lovely yep. stuff. Yeah, strongest <laughs> Avenger. <laughs> so good. Oh, we could go into all of it. Like the, is he though? Yeah. We can go into all of that. <laughs> and it's like, a, like I, I stick by it. It's the most quotable MCU movie. Let's not do that because we'll be here all night. Uh, let's jump into ratings. So, Colin, I'm quite intrigued. Um, mm. Rating out of five for Thor Ragnarok. I'm going to give it a, a Thor. Very nice. I'm very happy to hear that. I was hoping you were going mm-hmm. with that. Uh, Robert, what about you? Very aptly. I was also going to go for oh, Thor. Interesting. Um, I was going to give this a 4.5, but some of those sequences in those opening 20 minutes, like we've mentioned, are a little bit clumsy for me. It feels rushed, and like we've said, that those shots of the, the boys over the cliffs of um, Norway mm. it almost feels unfinished a little bit. Um, mm. So, yeah, uh, but thank God we switch gears entirely once we get to Sakaar and we get this incredible film. I really think that has to be taken into account when scoring the film. So it's a four, could have been a five, if the whole film, including those first half an hour, was as, as consistent as the rest of the film was, because uh, this is an absolute blast. Trivia time, baby. You know too much for your own good. Now that's what I call using the old head. Are we drawing, or has Rob <laughs> taken the lead? We are, as as it stands. Uh, we are drawing. Oh, it is eight shit. all. But 
George had a two-point lead as well. He did have a two-point lead, didn't comeback he? Okay. Here. Now, Rob has mentioned this, I think, during one of Colin's toilet breaks, that I am going first this week. <laughs> okay. You are. Yeah, you, uh, I went first. Okay. Uh, I didn't time. even note this one down. Um, and uh, thank God it hasn't been mentioned. I think Rob may have helped me out a little bit by not mentioning it. I do appreciate it, mate. Um, because... Mm. Uh, I think quite a few people maybe know this bit of trivia, but I don't think, obviously, Colin's... Colin, I know Colin doesn't know. So, to me, this had to be my piece of trivia. So, everyone arrived for their day at work on the set of Thor Ragnarok, and Taika Waititi was told, we've got someone on set today, and it was a little boy from, like, the Make-A-Wish Foundation. Um... And obviously, I, I hope everyone knows what the Make-A-Wish Foundation is. It, um, uh, and he wanted to spend the day on uh, a Marvel set and meeting some superheroes. So um, the day he arrived on set was the introduction of Hulk, smashing through uh, the thing in the gladi- uh, Gladiator Arena. Um, and so they sh- they shot the scene and they, they played it over. The Incredible... And then, obviously they record Chris Hemsworth reaction and he goes, yes. And they tell the little boy, well, that's actually going to be Hulk that comes through there. Then they record the dialogue of him looking up to Loki and being like, Loki, look who it is. And then the little boy went up to Taika Waititi and said, maybe he should say he's a friend from work. And they were like, Oh, nice. Chris, try that. So Chris then goes, he looks at, Thor, yes he's like i know him he's a friend from work and they were like that's one of the best lines in the film like <laughs> i can't believe it and that's uh good. it stuck and um so yeah that wow. wasn't in the script uh it what it I guess you could call it improv but it came from neither uh mark ruffalo taika waititi or chris hemsworth it came from this wonderful little boy yeah no that's good that is uh, it's a wonderful little story right? you're a... right george i i spared you <laughs> we'll rob for the listeners this. before we started recording this george is like i've got a trivia but i've got no backup and <laughs> i know it's likely to get trip. talked about and all this stuff oh. and we get to that rob bit. straight away playing was like i know trip. what you're gonna use and he even quoted him rob was yeah. like oh and he's like oh he's a friend from work and in my head i'm thinking don't do it don't do it and i i think i, I even, about to play I the even mentioned that when i was saying that it was one of the good lines I'm a you good are, mate. i really appreciate that because you know it sends me into probably meltdown and panic i'll probably lose now so <laughs> George, my <I> trivia <laughs> mark ruffalo has built up a bit of a reputation um <gasps> this is a good and one around yes and around the world, because he is not so good at keeping things to himself. Oh, right. Sort of the most famous, uh, well, one of the most famous, we'll get to some others yes. in other episodes, uh, example of this, was during the world premiere of Thor Ragnarok. Everyone had sat down to watch the film. Mark Ruffalo sat there, one of the front rows with you know some of his other castmates, um, until suddenly... Someone comes down from Disney themselves and starts nudging him. Turns out that Mark Ruffalo had been live streaming his walk down the red carpet and had put his phone Forgot in his to turn it off. And had unintentionally been live streaming the first 20 minutes of the film oh, to the entire from world. From his pocket. <laughs> he, he's quoted saying, 
in all fairness, it was in my pocket, and they heard the first 20, <laughs> 15 minutes. When I, when I knew first, my phone was blowing up, and I was getting all these texts, <laughs> and I was like, I hope my mum's okay. But I was like, I can't check my phone in the middle of a theatre. That's rude, especially in my own movie. Then someone from Disney came up, a woman, and she poked me and said, turn off your phone. I said, what, what? She said, your phone is on. Turn it off, turn off your phone. So I thought I was going to get fired. <sighs> I remember when that happened. That's it was so incredible. <laughs> so good. That's a good one. And I'm also excited to hear the other times you yeah. yeah. this. <laughs> yeah. <as> well. yeah. <laughs> George, I think you know, mate. I'm, yeah. I think I'm sorry. You know. I played, I may be playing a card there, but it's a good piece of trivia. Rob gets the point. What? He's, he's brought what? it back from being two what? down. Rob gets the I point. I thought I had it. Oh, that's what you thought. Yeah. Said, I was like, I yeah, I know. I know I've got it. Yeah. Oh, you. <laughs> I thought seriously you were being like, I know, Rob's got a good piece of trivia. That's what that's no. what I meant by it. I went, I, you know, like I even on. said, like, I know I played a card. Like, I know you, you can't not give it to me because of what my story was about. Oh, I definitely can not give wow. it to you. And Rob gets the point. You were loving Rob. Yeah, it's as a great well, story. Yeah, he was joining so, in. So you were joining in and backing his whole thing up, mate. You got you got to remember this is a this, this is a game. This, this is, is a, a joke. This is what one. it is. This is not a team up. <laughs> well, it's a joke that you got two ahead and you shat the bed pretty badly because now you're Rob's. This is the first time Rob one behind. Yeah, you're one yeah, up, and yeah, he is. Um, yeah, lovely. It's uh, now oh. nine eight two. <sighs> Me. Oh, that does not feel good. Be first to get to double digits. Oh, we've—I mean, we've been—we've been one ahead of each other been, the whole yeah, time, exactly. pretty much. You had the biggest lead in having two right. ahead, and you fucked it. Right. Um, that's it. Okay, sure. Do you want to hear what my backup was? My I had a backup care. just in case. Are you is Colin interested? <laughs> I want to hear it just to annoy George. I had—I had a backup because I—I I was worried that George might have my trivia because. Is uh, like yours, George. It's one of the well, more mm. well-known ones about um, this film. But my other one was uh, to do with the um, composer of the score, Mark Mothersbaugh, who was of a band called Devo. Um, he was responsible for the score, and he said he was massively influenced by the work of Jean-Michel Jarre, who was like synth-heavy French guy who did the arcade banger from the UK of... Do, 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 do. Oh. oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Do, 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 that guy. Yeah. Yeah. So Mark Mothersbaugh wanted to ensure that Sakaar had like a really synthy sound and that Asgard was more traditional. Mm. Um, and then by the end of the film, those two sort of sounds blended together. Yeah. And he also used a Moog synthesizer. Nice. Um, that was gifted to him by the creator of the Moog synthesizer, Robert Moog, mm. um, which indeed was taking something old and making something very new out of it. Mm. That would have been oh, as well. God's as sake. Exactly. I just wanted to prove that there, it was a, it was inevitable. <laughs> it was George, inevitable. I am inevitable. <laughs> I hate you so much. Also, the the, the score was great. By <laughs> great the way, it was score. a really good, it was uh, a good blend score, of uh, orchestral and, and synth. Okay, so thanks for listening, everyone. I've got to try and be happy now. <laughs> um, God, I thought I had it. If you haven't already, please. I can't believe I did. You I, I was like, yeah, I know. I'm sorry, Rob. I was almost apologising to Rob. And then, then I just hear Colin go, 
It's Rob's point. I, I give up, right? If you haven't already, please review or rate the podcast wherever you listen to it. Um, if you review us after listening to this episode, then at, at the end of your review, please tell us your favourite line in Thor Ragnarok. So, Colin, I would say it's that time mm. again. Where do we, what are we doing next? But I don't know if you remember, yeah. but when we were all last together round yours watching Thor Ragnarok Robert Trott just decided to outright tell you what film was next can you remember what he said I remember him saying it but I honestly is oh okay I, I, I think I've got I think I know what it is but I don't want to say it and be wrong so you tell me well we're taking a trip to Wakanda yeah yeah no that's what I thought yeah it must have stuck in there somewhere I was <laughs> yes say Black with Panther, Black Panther but... and it's always a nice. bittersweet visit um seeing as what happened uh, we'll get more into it when we record our episode but for now colin say bye goodbye rob say bye next time baby bye everyone <laughs> next time we meet let it be in peace and friendship this is as far as you're going to get tonight such valuable stuff all in a nice work Sweet dreams, little friends. Look out! Oh, he's escaping! <laughs> I fear we have not seen the last of him. And we are still here. So we have two post-credit scenes. Um, we'll get into the last one first, if that makes sense, um, mainly because it's quite throwaway. So in a post-credit scene, the overthrown Grandmaster is confronted by his former subjects where i if i correct me if i'm wrong jeff goldblum as the grandmaster then um approves of everyone's rebellion and says and says they did a very good job um yeah. it's, it's... and he's like thank you to <laughs> me because you can't have a rebellion if there's no Brilliant. one to overthrow. <laughs> colin are we going to see the grandmaster again i hope so okay interesting fact about the grandmaster is in the comics he is the brother of the Collector, who is the guy from Guardians. That makes a lot of sense, yeah. Whether or not that plays a part. And correct me if I'm wrong, also, I don't know why I'm bringing this up in the post-credit discussion, but in the comics, Hela was never the sister of Thor and Loki. That was a decision made for for Ragnarok. Pretty sure. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. But, yes, it definitely does. In a mid-credit scene... Everyone is intercepted, or Asgard is intercepted by a large spacecraft. Now, that is all. Mm. Um, Now, uh, one little discussion we did have after the film ended, I said to you, who do you think is in that spaceship? Mm -hmm. And um, I think you got it right. That is Thanos. Big boy. It's the big boy. He's off off the toilet. Big daddy Warbucks. Well, yeah, I mean, that was a... It's big. (laughs) Now think there is. This isn't spoiling anything. There is. Why Mm. would the reason be that he is there with their ship? There must be a reason. Think of all the ships in all of the entire universe. Now, what? Why are they with the the crew on the on the Asgard? Yeah. Why has Thanos turned up to this tiny little ship? Well. It's either going to be the fact that they've just destroyed Asgard and he's got like, what's going mm-hmm. on over there? Or it's throwing back to what you said earlier. 
Loki grabbed the fucking the little thing, didn't oh. he? So he's looking for it. Oh, what it do you reckon? Could also be one other thing. <laughs> the uh, the Avengers, the first Avengers film, Loki was of course doing the dirty work of old Thanos. Well, he was helping mm. him, yeah. He didn't particularly succeed. So maybe yeah. he's, maybe it's Loki then. Maybe maybe he's just coming to slap him on the wrist and go, do better next time, you mischievous little <laughs> imp. We shall find out very soon. Everyone, stay safe, <laughs> stay well, stay nerdy. Bye.